You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. Welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. You know, every once in a while I forget to, or I need to remind myself to introduce myself to myself. (laughs) Who is your host and why should you be listening to this podcast? There's plenty of endurance stuff out there. So what's special about Zen Tri? Well, we are the longest running and original endurance podcast. Zen and Yard of Triathlon got its start so far back. I can barely remember the year, either uh, 2004, 2005. And during that time, I've been your host the in, the entire way, and I have done uh, 13 Ironmans, a whole bunch of half Ironmans, and I've done some ultra marathons, and I even swam the full length north, south to north of Lake Tahoe, which is 22 miles, and that's over 6,000 feet above sea level. So I am your endurance guide over the next few hours. That's a little bit about me, but let's talk about the show. Oh, and also I am a triathlon coach, an endurance coach, a running coach, ultra running coach, a swim coach. I do all that good stuff. And I'm a dad and I also work full time. So I'm your typical age grouper. Woo. Okay. This episode of Zen Tri, we have some cool stuff. Um, I could not seem to get myself uh, motivated enough to get a show together, get my act together enough to get a show together until we got Tawny back on the show. She's been busy and I just kept waiting for her to uh, find time in her schedule, which she did. And we recorded the news for the triathlon industry uh, earlier today. So we've got like an hour of that talking about uh, little Debbie cake sponsoring the Chattanooga Ironman, um, why French people live in Canada, you know, really important stuff. <laughs> but no, lots of really cool triathlon stuff. And then also I have an interview with Mike Bestvina, who is the one of the uh, co-founders of Compete Hub, which is a triathlon website that helps you find races. And, um, you know, there's, there's lots of businesses, um, there's lots of places that, that you can find out about races and such. And the reason I wanted to interview him is he reached out and decided to start sponsoring some shows. And I find it interesting in uh, the story of how people start their own companies and, uh, and and get them rolling and get to be their own boss and the struggles, you know, like their own pro. I love interviewing people. We've interviewed Flow Wheels. Um, we've interviewed uh, Trainer Trainer Road. You know, the, the guys behind that and small companies trying to break through and uh, big companies as well. Uh, Arshad from Amrita Nutrition. And um, yeah, it's just really, really cool because I think a lot of us out there are self-starters or else you wouldn't be doing triathlon or ultra running or whatever. And the um, the side of, of starting your own business and taking that, that gutsy leap out there is really cool. So I love interviews like this. Okay, so we have that. And then we have the training log, lots and lots of training log. And then we have some questions uh, that I'll answer uh, mixed in with some sponsor stuff. So let's go ahead and get started with the news. This is Tawny and I talking earlier today about all kinds of cool stuff. And 
It is brought to you by Sufferfest. Make sure to sign up for the... Um, oh, I got a video from them I need to check out. Um, you get a 10% discount off of Sufferfest videos with the discount code ZTSuffers, all caps. Again, you can download and train with these kick-ass videos. They are really cool uh, while you're on the trainer or while you're on the treadmill um, with a discount code of all caps ZT, as in Zentri, suffers, all one word. Get 10% off, man. Definitely, definitely cool. All right, let's get started with the news. And here is Tawny. Oh, by the way, watch how fast I lose her attention when I start talking about geography. She does not care about geography. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is so funny. That is that is really, really good. And then we start talking about, talk about triathlon again, but she zooms right back in. That's pretty cool. Anyway, so let's go ahead and get started with the news. Here we go. Yes, we are podcasters. Totally the same. You, we know who's in charge of Zentribe when I'm sitting here waiting for you to call in on the news. <laughs> if, Sorry. What if I, I was in traffic, Tawny? What if I was in the middle of an intersection with my laptop ready to record <laughs> and I'm about to get run over by trucks and I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I got to wait for Tawny to finish editing another podcast. It's so important. Man, I've been like totally like slacking on my podcast this last week too. I just after that trip, it kind of like threw off my schedule, and I've been trying to get back in the groove of getting shit posted. Did you get to experience any awesome East Coast weather on your trip? Um, to the, East Coast? the last we had like a couple like freak little rainstorms happen, and then the last day that we were there, the last day and a half or so, some thunder sort of set in, but it wasn't anything like spectacular. Yeah. Oh, when, but yeah, like you said, though, it was very just like it went from one extreme to the other in like yeah. a drop of a dime. When my buddy Morgan came to do the Iron Baby uh, last year, year before, he uh, he's from San Diego, you know, and mm -hmm. he was like, we had a weather front come through and he was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> 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 and uh, the rest of us are like, oh, you know, this is normal. It'll pass. And he's like, right. I think the world is ending right now. There's lightning like everywhere. And we're like, yeah, you know, it'll be all right. Yeah. It'll be cool. Yeah. So. All right. What are we talking about today? Okay. We got some cool news stories. And what do you want to start with? Do you, do you send me? Do we have anything else to talk well, about? Uh, there's the ones that we talked about. Okay. And then also, I found um, that there's a big meeting going on uh, between, or it already happened, or something uh, between ITU and Ironman, and um, and it's apparently to. I think USAT was involved too, and it's to try to get each other aligned on standards in the sport. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like the idea of that because, I mean, isn't even, like, um, water temperature for wetsuits and stuff different? Yeah, wetsuits. Uh, helmets is one that came to mind to me. Yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, with the whole crowy issue with being disqualified oh, yeah. for the sleeveless, the un, un, unco the covered shoulders issue on the swim. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, it's a standard in one sport. It, in one sport, it's fine. Or one regulation, it's fine, and another one, it's not. So yeah. it's too much for, well, it's not too much, but it's just difficult for everybody to remember. 
Yeah, yeah and sometimes you don't even know like if an event is USAT sanctioned or not, or like obviously if you're doing an Ironman, you know it's WTC. Uh-huh. But yeah, there's just it's not like that information is at the top of the list for everyone to think about. <laughs> right. And okay, so what's going on is there was a uh, in the news there was a meeting set up and happened today. Wait, are we recording right now? Yeah, I've, I've been recording. I've been recording since breakfast. I've just been waiting for you to get on the phone. <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> it's on all the time. Um, and uh, let's see. Where did I leave? Oh, um, so people are really excited about this to see because it's frustrating. Imagine being a European pro, right? Mm. And uh, remember the um, the helmet issue with uh, the cask? or well, Who was it? Yeah, I'm trying to. That was just last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it wasn't was it. Starkowitz. Uh, uh, was it Starkey helmet yeah. issue? Okay, yeah. Well, and you don't want to piss Starkey off, of, as we all know, right? Oh yeah. So they were like, uh, they were going to take away his 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 win, and then they decided because because he was wearing a helmet that wasn't sanctioned in in the United States or something like that. But then in some races in the United right. States, they say Kona. it's okay. Kona, because Was of the European of presence. Well, then people are like, well, Miami or, you know, Florida is so European and Central and South American that your standards are all over the place. And then uh, the thing, like I was saying, with uh, Crowey being disqualified from Half Ironman Hawaii, Hanu. Hanu. <laughs> yeah, was, that uh, was an unfortunate situation. I yeah, that one as we talked about before, definitely kind of crazy. Yeah, and and uh because he was wearing a just imagine like a rash guard that covers your shoulders a little bit. It's kind of like a skin suit mm-hmm. kind of material and um in USAT rules, that's not allowed. I guess unless you're wearing a full wetsuit and since it wasn't a wetsuit swim, um it was illegal. Mm-hmm. But then you're falling into that, what is Hawaii? It's this weird range of of rules and places and people and you know so it gets weird. Interestingly, I just pulled up this article on USA Triathlon's uh-huh. uh, website and the, their list of most common rule violations. It goes through eleven, but can you guess what the top three most common rule violations are? Uh, riding your uh, drafting. On the bike? Um, actually, not. That's number five, so it's on the list, but it's not top three. Um, Lance Armstrong not strapping on his helmet correctly. Ding, ding, ding! But actually, you are kind of right. Chin straps is number two. So wow, uh, they penalized people that for real. It's, and they didn't bust it's, Lance for it. Uh, well, he's Lance. It, it, don't worry, <laughs> it'll get him. <laughs> it'll get him. It'll bite him in the butt um, some years from now. Someday he'll get in trouble for something. It looks like. People are actually, according the way I'm reading this, is that people are starting to unbuckle their chin strap before they're dismounting their bike is the issue, most common issue in that. Well, that's not smart. But you think about it, though. I can see how I could, I could totally imagine that being a very common thing of people just, you know, trying to get ready for the run. Yeah, yeah. Not on purpose. It's just kind of yeah. like a reflex. But still, I mean, it's like people, you know, um, taking off their seatbelt when they're still two miles away from home. Uh-huh. Or like when USA is playing um, Portugal in soccer, and in the last twenty seconds, Portugal sweeps in and makes a goal when last USA thought they had it in the bag. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. 
Sure. Did you see so my I'm tweeting about that? Like, I didn't know that the ref could just add arbitrary time, you know? And well, I, I don't know anything about soccer, to be honest. I, I know thought I knew bit, about soccer. <laughs> but I, we were all talking about how four minutes is the common amount of time to add on. And then it actually was supposed to be that. Then so why did they add on that extra fifth minute? And then it was that last, obviously, fifth minute that yeah. So I do like that rule, though. Right, because what it does is, hey, you want to waste time during the game and do your fake little dives and and uh, not throw in the ball fast enough. Mm-hmm. Then, um, hey, we're going to add more time to the clock, so you're going to have to play anyway. So go yeah. ahead and do that all you want. And, Anyways, uh, you like that little tangent and little segue I had yeah. there for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so okay, guess the other two. They're uh, um, uh, the most common rule violations. Listening okay. to headphones. Um, no, but that probably, oh, that's, that's on the list. It's just yeah. not top. Right, I'm it's the Zentri or Endurance Planet podcast. Then you right? get time oh, taken points. off of your time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the most common one is helmets actually. So this is relevant to our conversation right now. And okay. people not wearing helmets that are uh, approved oh, by yeah. USA Triathlon. Yeah. And it's actually for them, it's a, a complete DQ if you wear the wrong kind of helmet. Yeah. And then the third, uh, the third most common rule violation for all you guys out there listening is outside assistance. Oh, from- the gorilla suit. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, you cannot have your family or your friends there, do so anything for on you. On Slow Twitch, there was this big thread that was so funny that went on forever about somebody complaining that he got disqualified or penalized or something because a friend ran next to him in a gorilla suit. Oh, yeah. Uh, just for a few seconds, 20 seconds. They have it on video, right? Is that and the Barnana gorilla suit guy? No, I think it was just a friend. It was a prank oh. uh, just to make him crack up, right? Yeah. And then, and then so the, jo- the, the, the uh, official, like, penalized him or disqualified him or something like that, right? And the guy was so mad. And then, um, so then... Uh, this goes. This thread goes on for weeks. You know, people making fun of it and everything. And then, because um, that's stupid. And then the. Um, uh, but then somebody posted a picture of one of the very, very top pros, at maybe at Hawaii, um, on the run, and their coach next to them, you know, cheering them on and like telling them, you know, you know who's behind them or you know whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. That's outside assistance. That under the same rule that the guy in the gorilla suit uh, pen- got penalized, well, the other guy got penalized for his friend in the gorilla suit. They're like, well, then you can't do that either, you know. But but it's like the whole Lance thing. You're gonna penalize uh, um, Maca or whatever for somebody, you know, helping him out on the side. No, so it's yeah. It, I think. Even USA Triathlon or the folks behind all this, they probably have a hard time too because it's still, you know, you never, it's a case by case thing. Yeah. And it's just got to be hard to monitor all this. Well, uh, Ironman has the four meter or four bike lengths uh, drafting rule, and USAT Mm -hmm. is three, for example. Yeah, that's a a huge one for sure because. They need to fix that. I mean, I've, I would guess in my own experience racing, that would probably be if you're smart enough to get all these other things right, like, you know, strap your chin strap and all that. Um, the whole bike length thing and you know how crowded it gets on bike courses yeah. and you you may not be have any intention of cheating whatsoever, but it can get sketchy out there when all of a sudden there's just tons of people around you and you're like, oh. I got. I don't want to cheat. Where am I need to be? I'm trying not to cheat. I'm trying not to cheat. Yeah. I swear. I hate cheating. 
So that, yeah. Oh, man, if I ever get penalized for drafting, I'm going to get so mad because I try so hard to not draft. Me too. You know? and, and I then, get nervous. And like I see I... people drafting. It pisses me off. And if I, actually, if I get caught at the wrong moment, the wrong time, you know, having to wait behind somebody because I'm trying to get mm -hmm. around and I get busted, I'm going to be so mad. I get so nervous when I hear the motorcycle coming up behind me. It's like the same thing when yeah. a cop's driving behind you. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I'm doing everything perfectly right now. And, you know, it was I think it was last year, actually, during Oceanside. How often does this happen when the moto actually says, yells over to be like, nice job, because I passed a guy. Um, it was on that last stretch of Oceanside, like the last seven miles or so, yeah. where it's kind of like flat back to transition, and I made a really good pass. And the moto guy like rolled up next to me. He was like, nice pass or something. I was like, yes, <laughs> bonus. <laughs> I think when they get up next to me, they yell things like, you look like a, al a grounded albatross that's found a bicycle. <laughs> And you're in the wrong sport, dude. Have you ever tried basketball? <laughs> yeah, right. You're it's, this wrong, it's this long monologue, you know, like, have you considered trying a different sport? Look, dude. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying so hard. Well, uh, okay, so you said, where'd you hear about this meeting between ITU, Iron Man, and you sat? Uh, let me find and it real quick. Huh? Let me find it real quick. It was on triathlon.competitor.com. Oh, okay. So it's been kind of published and stuff. Um, I got to get the advertisement out of the way. I can't see it. Ah! Okay. So I'm doing that right ITU Ironman meet to discuss triathlon rules. 21 hours ago. And. Do you, Mr. Like, timely newsman? IT. <laughs> I to you, <laughs> dude. It's either this or file paperwork at my desk. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so I to you, USAT and Ironman. So uh, okay, so listen to this list: Andrew Messick, uh, Gergely Marcus, who's the ITU Sport Director, Enrique Quisada, ITU Sport Results Director. Okay, wait. Let me just say, the uh, ITU Technical Committee member. Uh, oh, I got a comment on this, by the way. Uh, president Barry Siff, President of USAT. Mm -hmm. um, Beth Atnip, uh, Ironman Director of Global Technical Operations. Jimmy Riccatello, if you don't know who he is, you should learn. Yeah. Ironman Technical Director, he's the head head ref and uh, of Ironman. So he's the guy that decides, you know, what's effective for drafting and not and stuff. And uh, Steve McFessel, Ironman Managing Director of Global Operations, and Paula newby Frazier, Ironman International Relations. And, of course, on Slow Twitch, they immediately found fault with this list. <laughs> of course. Because what else? No is current active pros. Oh, that's list. a good point. Uh, yeah. And no, how about an age grouper in there that's actually like an elite age grouper? Where's, uh, where's what's-her-face? Meredith Kessler? Oh, an age grouper. Like, uh, oh, because don't they have the um, the pro? Oh, yeah, the age groupers. But don't they have like a Tony pro? Prazak? I know, man. I would totally sit Where on that. Are they going to send us? Oh, by the way, Tony, check this out. You have news? Yes, I have news. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> emailed the um, the race directors of the um, that not Norseman. But um, there's another race in Sweden, which is a swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, swim, run, swim, oh, that run sounds race. terrible. And it's <laughs> awesome. And um, they're trying to get us in. 
Well, I'm down. That's going to put me outside my comfort zone. And <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, that's taking away my strength on you the can't. bikes. The thing is, is you have to go as a as a duo, right? So it's you and me racing on a oh, perfect. racing not, together. You're a good so swimmer. I'll drag you through the swim. Perfect. And then you can convince me while I'm running that it doesn't hurt. And Yay. We can just alternate like that. Yeah. You can carry what? me on your back while I while you run. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! I gotta go work on my deadlifts and back squats yeah. in the gym so I can handle that like load. A, I'm gonna be like a 200 pound tuna. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds yeah. weird in so many ways. Yeah. Um, so wait, a real quick question: What rules? That I'm guessing that the challenge series goes by USA Triathlon rules, or are they like do their own thing, or what's their government? Oh, I bet it's uh, some kind of international. Because that's Felix something or other is the guy, I think, who's the main challenge guy uh, who I met in Kona a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I'm, I, I want to know what kind of – because their races are becoming really popular, and I want to know what kind of um, yeah, rule regulations they go by. Yep. So, and then what uh, challenge Atlantic City? Did that happen yeah. already, or did it, is it going to happen? Oh, you know what? I was trying to figure that Mac out myself. Yeah, I've seen through my like Maca X tw- uh, thread on Facebook and stuff a few things come up. I know they're all together for a camp. I just don't know if the race happened or is happening this weekend. I've been kind of off the. Well, um, let's talk about what's going to happen this weekend because this is going to be freaking, freaking great. Is where to go? I have it, I have it in my. Oh wait, hold on, everybody. I got to get it. Okay, <laughs> I bet. You might not know about this, Tawny. I know. I'm like in suspense right now. Okay. Well, one, this doesn't. Okay. Wait. I'll say that one for a minute. Okay. Um, press release from ITU. This weekend, you will be able to watch live coverage of both the men's and women's elite races at the ITU World Triathlon Chicago on Universal Sports Network. Oh, yeah. It will be on, will air exclusive national television and online coverage of the 2014 U, 2014, ah, ITU World Champ, tri- Triathlon, dang it, Chicago. Wow. June 28th and 29th. So that's this weekend, that's Saturday and Sunday. The women's race will air Saturday, the 28th, 1.30 p.m. live, 1.30 Eastern. One thirty. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. One thirty Eastern. Okay, followed by the men's event on Sunday, uh, June 29th at five p.m. Uh, Eastern, live, both on air and online at UniversalSports.com to authenticated users. If you somehow figure that out, and <laughs> they should write that if you somehow figure that out. <laughs> and then uh, following the live telecast, they'll air it again uh, Saturday, the women's Saturday, eight p.m. Eastern and the men's 9 p.m. and 12:30 a.m. Uh, Eastern. So Gwen Jorgensen is she's, uh, she's freaking badass. And so yeah. you want to watch her race? She apparently can run, and the people start crying when she runs, and just yeah. give up and like just throw their bikes into the streets. <laughs> We're done. She's and a gazelle, it, man. It, yeah, she's a freak of nature, man, and she's awesome to watch running. And she kind of, I think she kind of like has to catch up on the run sometimes. And so that's something that, and then she just like blows by everybody. So, um, that's something to watch. Uh, I don't know about the guys, uh, circuit about who's kicking ass. Well, you got the Brownlees in which I think Alstar, you know, who's been plagued with injury and stuff. He just, uh, won Kitzbühel last yeah. weekend. Saw that. Yeah. 
Yeah, along with Nicola Spierig, uh, who just had a baby last year. And you know what they say, once you pop them out, you get you come back stronger. Yeah, because you're like, nothing hurts that freaking bad. Right? <laughs> How, so, I hope you're spraying ankle over there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that should be really good. And I love that they're making triathlon on this level free and accessible to peeps everywhere. Oh, I'm so going to watch it. I'm so excited. It's on my calendar. Um, it's really cool to, uh, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to try to have Kai watch it so he can see oh, cool. it. Yeah. You know, so you can see like, uh, people that are a little bit older than him, they're still young, you know, but they're mm-hmm. like, uh, college age, you know, like mm-hmm. this is cool, man. This is something you can do when you get older, you know, instead of just football, all American football all the time. And, um, <laughs> Let's see. There's that. And then, oh, the Western States 100 is this weekend. Epic, epic race. Yeah. Um, there's a good documentary. What's, I think it's called Western States or something. Oh, it's um, uh, un, Unbroken. Un, oh, um, yeah. Unbreakable. Un- <laughs> Unbelievable. Man, we're just killing it with undone. the details. It's a great documentary, though. Yeah. Man, okay, I think this is like, all right, everyone needs to make this endurance sports weekend. Watch Chicago. Watch Unbreakable, Unbroken. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, there's uh, Ultra Run Live or Ultra Live, Ultra Live. Uh, crap, what is it? There's a website that does that's really good at covering ultras, and um, they might be covering it. Uh, and uh, so they st- they set up uh, cameras at the at the major aid stations. Ultra that's Live. That's cool. And um, so cool you can piece. watch races like that. It's freaking cool. Uh, to see these guys blow by, you know, running uphill at like a six-minute mile <laughs> on mile 80, you know, you're like, wow. Completely, completely astonishing stuff. So, wait, yeah. who are the big uh, players in terms of like the elite and or pros in ultra running that are going to be um, maybe this year? Uh, Maybe Tim Olsen and maybe Rob Carr. Is uh, Ant, um, Anton Krupichka, my favorite name to say? Yeah, Kupichka, is he right, racing? I got a feeling that you two have like the same heritage, the same kind of last name. Like you should be able to say his name. I know. It's I just like I'm supposed to be able to say Swedish names, but I can't. <laughs> Peter Tornholt just loves it whenever I keep trying to say his name. We've had a lot of emails back then. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Peter Tornholt, <laughs> which means skull crusher in Viking. Oh, my God. Um, so Western so, States 100. Man, I had I got so mad. I almost tweeted about it. Western State. I was trying to figure out when it was right because I had a feeling it was coming up. Mm-hmm. And I spent literally. I swear to God, I spent ten minutes on their website. You know, like trying to find the date of the race. And I was <laughs> I was so close to tweeting. Stupid website design. This is horrible. You guys need to fix your oh, website. Ooh. Not like that, but just like how can I. The first thing you want to do is the date of your race, you know, and it's, yeah, you get, you get so involved call. with something, you forget like the obvious thing. It's like classic. And, uh, and then I notice on the right hand side, there's a countdown to the race. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this four days until June 28th race, you know, and I was like, oh, Hello, Captain Obvious. Yeah. So, so that starts Saturday. on Saturday and ends on Sunday at some point. Yeah. Um, Let's see. If I'm I can sure we have some it. endurance planet fans that are out news. there going to be racing. Entry news. Uh, I'm trying to see. Okay. Here you go. 
Pam Smith. Holy crap. Oh, she's back. Yeah. Rob Carr. Um, Rob Carr's got the most badass beard in endurance sports. And uh, that's uh, Miguel Eras. Um, Thomas Lorbelas. Oh, I don't know who that is. But these people have won other races. Ryan Sandys. Uh, Natalie Mauclair of France. Where are you looking? Under news. Mm. And then you scroll down under the press release. They start mentioning the field. But Got it. Yeah, I was looking at just the uh, entrance list. And what's cool is that, you know, the elites. Are, are they considered professionals in ultra running or is it just kind of elite? I don't know. I don't know how they do it. If you have to get a, an, a, a um, I mean, card. you know the vibe of like ultra running, and it's a lot more low key and. Yeah, they might eventually. If they're not having an elite field, they might eventually get around to it, and that's a sign mm -hmm. that your sports made it. But that's also the sign that your sports screwed. <laughs> they're starting to do it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Because um, you know, there was a time in triathlon there wasn't a pro field, you know, and it was so much fun. And yeah. then they got there got to be where they decided to to break it into pros and amateur and then then it all then it's more about money and points and things like that they take it too seriously mm -hmm. so um let's see it's a good weekend in sports then uh yeah. we got the soccer game another soccer game coming up thursday for usa playing germany um and that's i know for us uh it's like 9 a.m in the morning and i think i'm gonna Maybe take a few minutes to go walk around, like just see what the local bars and restaurants look like around town to see how crazy people are actually getting over it. Because yeah. people are like, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> what day is the game? Uh-huh. What day is the game on? Uh, Thursday. So for you, it'd probably be around 11 o'clock start time, I think. Oh, okay. So... Let's see. And then how about another piece of news about some kind of horrible junk food being endorsed <laughs> oh my gosh we had the biggest rant on this on endurance planet on yeah. last week's show with lucho as the ultra runner and even though it's not technically ultra runner ish uh content it still was relevant enough a listener kind of brought it to our attention as something we should talk about so yeah i ranted on it but i want to hear what your take is because you know i'm, I'm actually seeing like both sides of it, sort of like people getting enraged and how could Iron Man align with a company like this? But then other people that are saying just kind of like, who the heck cares? Like, get on with your lives. Right. So what do you think? I think that Iron Man, so what we're talking about is uh, Hostess is the parent brand, right? And uh, Little Debbie is one of these snack cakes that mm -hmm. if you eat enough of those, you will die soon. <laughs> <laughs> get sued. Um, they're they're really bad for you. They're junk food, and um, they uh, um, Chattanooga, which is in the deep south, um, which is a part of the country that just and just loves like moon pies and Twinkies and stuff like that. So I could totally see if there was an Iron Man that was going to do it, this would be the one. Yeah. Um, picked up. Uh, uh, Hostess and Little Debbie Cakes as as their as the title sponsor, yeah, for for their Iron Man, right? Yeah, and I say, 
Um, oh, okay. So Lucho was saying, ah, oh, you know, you teach your kids to eat right. You know, you're putting responsibility on other people to, uh, if you know, to teach your your uh, to teach on how to eat and what to eat. Well, he's saying that it's on the parents. Don't expect other people to, you know, right. raise and your kids. It's I say that that's living in fantasy land and ignoring the actual reality that's going on out there is ah. the masses are not educated in food and that the rest of us have to su- the a lot of us have to suffer the consequences of a culture that's ignorant about food mm-hmm. so our insurance rates um, my my son's friends are constantly eating crap and I'm having to constantly undo it and uh, and fight a battle that doesn't need to be fought and that if you're a big corporation that's a leader in an industry and people are looking up to you, mm-hmm. that you are, you are now an institution. Iron Man is an institution and you are in a position of authority, right? And for them, it is a choice on who they pick as their sponsors. And mm-hmm. if they pick something that is obviously bad for the health of America and we are in a health crisis situation, then we have a right to be pissed about this and, and say that this sucks, that this is, this is no good. That the impact from them picking Little Debbie's is actually a lot that, that, what that, that sends a message there's, that there's all these kids watching all these adults, you know, uh, doing this triathlon. There's, why do you think that Little Debbie advertises all over it, right? Because it, it works. It gets yeah, people buying their stuff. And yeah. so all these kids growing up thinking, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, they eat this crap, you know. Um, they sponsored an Iron Man, so it can't be that bad, you know. And if you're in a position of authority, and responsi- you have a responsibility when you have that much power to do the right thing, right? It's kind of like being a, 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 a cop at an intersection. Um, people are looking to you as an example, and if not doing the right thing is an abuse of your authority and they had a choice, right? They, they can pick a different sponsor than that. And so the fact that they picked this one shows poor choice in my opinion. That's my rant. I'm mad about it. I want more disclosure on like dollars behind this. Cause as I brought up on the show, I mean, you had to imagine that someone at Iron Man and WTC had a, you know, sat around the big meeting table and said, look, like, guys, we might get some heat for this particular sponsor. Is the money that we're yeah. bringing in from it worth it? Like, that had to have come, come up, right? Like, I'm hoping. And then, then I'm sure the conclusion was that the money was too great to pass up. And bam, I mean, yeah. money speaks. I'm really disappointed in the Iron Man brand for doing that. Did you? Someone uh, had this picture floating around. They posted it on my Facebook wall of the same like logo, little Debbie and her little face, and it's instead it's like a overweight girl, <laughs> and it says little diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should find that one and post it with this podcast on your oh. blog. <laughs> so now, so the other mindset is, you know, kind of like, kind of like Lucho was allu- alluding to was, hey, you know. There's, there are people out there that really dislike being told, you know, what to do and what to eat and whatever else. And it's a little bit of the cowboy mentality. I'm not saying they're that bad, but it's a little bit of the cowboy mentality. I just need to look out for myself and screw everybody else, right? 
Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is we all live, unfortunately, in a big community, in a big village. And what other people do does affect you. You can't ignore it. It really does affect you. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this was a strategic opportunity to where a little choice, a little bit of difference would have made a huge impact. And a bad choice makes a very bad, big impact. And so, yeah, you don't need to bother people all the time about what to eat. But you could, at strategic times, say, okay, this is a better choice. And this is a better choice, you know. And um, I've actually got a picture to show you. If you I want to get your reaction on the air if you haven't seen this. I also think that, you know, there's people like you on your show now and me on my show that we're at least doing our part uh, to make our voices heard, and we have you know good enough followings for sure to at least bring light to these kind of issues rather than letting just fall through the cracks and that 's how change happens. you know we get enough people kind of rallying against this sort of stuff, yeah. to prevent it from happening in the future. I also saw that it 's actually just so we don 't have anyone um miss under the wrong impression it 's not hostess that is like the oh. governing <laughs> company it 's mckee McKee foods little okay. I, so Sorry, I, hostess. I just saw that yeah, yeah. um but, you know, looking at this press release from Iron Man, though, it's depressing to see that it's being branded as America's number one selling snack and more than 138 billion snacks have been sold since 1960 and da da da. And it's like, well, yeah, that may be the case, but does that make it right? Does it make it right? Yeah, no. absolutely not. Just because something's popular doesn't make it right. And, and it doesn't make it that it's not going to ruin things, you know, on down the road. Um, wait, I got a picture for you. I have done some consultations on nutrition and stuff with some clients in various parts of this country. And, you know, they're quite, quite frankly, they're like, we don't have what you guys have in like, you know, Southern California available in terms of Whole Foods and quality restaurants. We're known as, you know, fast food capitals of the world. And, well, my argument to that then is like, let's try to make a change to that, you know, rather yeah. than enforcing those ideals and that if little Debbie quote unquote stands for the tradition or, you know, they're representative of that particular area. Well, that doesn't mean it's right again. Like let's, yeah. I mean, think about this. Them. This was an opportunity for Iron Man to really have a positive impact. I mean, what about the news story that Iron Man turns down uh, little Debbie cakes as a sponsor? Ah. because it's not healthy enough. Man, that would be awesome. And the people would go, what? They're not healthy? No, they're not. You know? No. And, you know, like, to Lucha's point, I completely agree. It's on a parent and the parents to instill good values in the kids. But I'm also with you, too, that kids are going to be exposed to a ton of stuff out there. And a parent can't necessarily be in 100% control of everything that their kid is seeing. I see that you just sent me a link. Yeah, and guess what? Some people aren't aren't parenting. Some kids don't have parents out there. And so now yeah. i got to parent my kid and their kid. Science and porn. <laughs> <laughs> i got to parent every kid on the freaking street nowadays, right? To keep them from, from uh, when... Uh, oh, my gosh. That's a pretty it's, good picture, isn't it? Yeah, so um, for those who can't see right now, um, Brett just tweeted me or texted or sent me a lovely little image of a x-ray of a 900 pound man so you can see and a skeleton 
it's quite disturbing because you see the skeleton underneath, which it's is a normal ob- skeleton. Your, your skeleton doesn't get obese, <laughs> um, but it doesn't even look real. And that's the sad thing, knowing that it probably is very real. Um, no, like because other parents aren't parenting every kid like they're supposed to. Um, every time that that uh, Kai goes up and down the street and plays with all these other kids, um, he's being you know fed the worst snacks that you could ever imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, leave it up to the other parents. No, you can't. We live in a community. Other people affect you. You know, it's like pollution. It's like anything else. Um, so at some point, if you're in a position of authority, you got to stand up for the right thing. And, and yeah. sometimes it's tough, but you got to do it. So that's where I'm yeah. at on that. That's where I am on that. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting um, to see, you know, are, so are they going to have like little – because I was looking this up when I was talking to Lucha. I don't even really know too much about Little Debbie's products. I'm assuming it's like Twinkie-related things. So are they going to have those at <laughs> the finish line? <laughs> I don't know. I thankfully uh, been a household that did not have this stuff in yeah. abundance. Well, okay, so I grew up in uh, – I was born uh, in Cincinnati and then lived in Tennessee and then Alabama and then Texas, right? So when yeah. you go that path through Tennessee and Alabama – potential this, is- this stuff is considered yeah. a food group right and in <laughs> texas it's not much better but it's because we replace that with just queso and <laughs> barbecue <laughs> and refried beans so um but uh um i grew up going to the cracker barrel right for a family breakfast and it's just all the food's brown you know it's fried fried this fried that you try to find a vegetable you can't find an unfried mm-hmm. version of it you find okra well it's fried okra you know and mm-hmm. then, um, and everything's cooked in just the nastiest stuff. And then in the uh, gift shop, it's uh, moon pies, you know, mm-hmm. which is this bizarre food. That I can't even describe what it is, but it's all different versions of sugar, fat, and um, salt, you know, yep. um, kind of blended together with different. Exactly. They just kind of give it a different texture and a different name. And it's the same thing. And, and you're so right on that. It's scary. And, like, the the research that they do, like, on having people come in and basically give their input on that perfect combination. Yeah. Um, that's, like, then addictive and satiating or yeah. should be, you know, and then how they get us addicted to it, uh, us to it and sell it just. Ugh. Yeah. It's called mouthfeel is one thing that mm-hmm. they study. And it's like when somebody puts it in their mouth, like, does it taste? There's like a perfect, like, crunchy, yet foamy, sweet, but with a little bit of salt. Like, like, and like, you notice some of these products that ones that are huge hits, you can very clearly uh, nail down how they feel in your mouth. And they do that on purpose, like Oreos, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, like Doritos and stuff like there's There's crunch. It's all engineered and studied. Yeah. And it's an artificial product, so they can make it exactly that you can't put it down. And that pr- the Pringles, you can't eat just one, or what is it? What is it, Lay's or something? It's true, yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's not a that's not a, just a logo. That's a goal. <laughs> I think my argument then to that is if you really care enough, and I can stand for this and say I'm in that this exact position. Like if you really care enough to make changes, you don't have to be addicted to their you know, preconceived um, mouthfeel and recipes and all that. And you can change your taste buds and what your preferences are in food and still have sweet treats, but the ones that are made healthy, like something that I'll make that people 
Sometimes we're like, really? I'll do like a mashup avocado with like cacao powder and mix in almond milk and like some stevia or something and make like a few other things and um, make like a chocolate pudding out of it. Yeah. But the word you're using over and over again is make. Yeah, I know. It requires. Yeah. (laughs) It's you and your time, which is valuable versus uh, not just one, but a series of factories across the United States that is churning this crap out of of the back. Like out it's of its true. anus, just just then, like you know, eat this, <laughs> eat this, and it's so cheap. And then when you live in the in the in the South, where people are spread out and people don't have ch- shitloads of disposable income, you know, they go to their corner store to grab a snack. Go you know, go to Alabama or Mississippi yeah. and go into a cor- the nearest place that has food, which would be a corner store, and look at the selection. You know, yeah. and th- there isn't one. It's just it's horrible. I remember. I'm against, I don't like Walmart, but I was in Spring City, Tennessee, and I go into this Walmart, and it's just like NASCAR stuff everywhere, you know. You can't believe how much NASCAR is going on in a Walmart in the in the Deep South. And then, but I actually, I it turned my opinion around because the Walmart actually had a grocery store in it, you know. And all of a sudden, I saw, because I, in that town before that Walmart was there, uh, there's a Piggly Wiggly. Right, which has like no selection whatsoever. Have you even heard of a Piggly Wiggly? I can't even believe that it exists. Yes, the cartoon from know. like uh, Warner Brothers, cart like uh, Porky Pig is yeah. the uh, is the mascot. Oh gosh! And so it's Piggly Wiggly, and the selection in there is just horrendous. And then uh, back then, and then uh, but this Walmart, you know, the selection of the greens and the veggies and fruits was just out of out of this world compared to what these people were used to before, and. You could just go in there and just see these these uh, these people in, from East Tennessee, just standing there with their jaw on the ground, like what what is that? You know, they, they've never seen this kind of stuff before. You know, mm-hmm. and Walmart Walmart was bringing it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a way, I was kind of like, you know what, these people needed this Walmart. Yeah, there's only two <laughs> times I shop at Walmart, and yeah. that is when I'm in Kona. Guns, as- ammo. <laughs> yeah, usually in Kona, like you need something that you got, can only get at Walmart. And then when we go up to Northern California for my boyfriend's race car race in December, like it's in this small little town called Willows where there's really uh-huh. absolutely nothing except yeah. a Walmart. So inevitably, we need to go on a Walmart run for like dish soap or whatever it may yeah. be. But yeah. yeah, that's about it. I, I will not support that company uh, when I have many, many other options available to me. Period. I, I, go, I shop upscale and shop at Target. Oh, yeah. And then get all my credit card it. information stolen. See, that's the <laughs> problem with Target, though. And thankfully, I don't live closer to one because it's one of those places where you could walk, like, go in thinking, okay, all I need is this one thing. Yeah. And then you walk out with 100 things and hundreds of dollars spent. It yeah. is a scary, scary place. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm not I'm not scared in Walmart or in Target like I am at Walmart sometimes. True. Like at Walmart, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. Like, is this safe? Am I safe right now? And especially in the parking lot, I'm like, nah. Um, okay, so let's see. You had some new stories you sent me about um, a race that had somebody kind of with cool sunglasses in it. <laughs> and did you see the finishers podium for the women? Yeah. What do you mean? The um, uh, was it Meredith Kessler that won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the race? How do you say it? Montreblanc. 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 We're gonna get hate mail. Sound like South Park. 
and here and here and here. My name's Kevin, and I'm Cheney from Match Map. <laughs> I want some poutine. Excuse <laughs> you, guys. Have you ever heard of poutine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, and people are probably laughing at me right now, but Our, uh, it's an actual thing. Do you know what it is? Uh-uh. Speaking of shitty food, no. <laughs> it is, um, it's a Canadian slash kind of French delicacy uh-huh. that apparently... Oh, it's already going to be horrible. I, I yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's French fries with gravy and cheese curds on it. Ooh. And There's that's no what everyone like French Canada. Yeah, it's kind of like a delicacy. One of my athletes was telling me about it when he did this full Ironman last year. That was the one thing he wanted to indulge on afterward. I guess they uh, got the Wisconsin curds kind of mixed in there, you know? Curds. Yeah. Uh, with the French culture. Uh, French. <laughs> Here we go. Right. Here's our geography lesson for the podcast. Uh oh. I'm not good at geography. The French, uh, you know, settled in Canada, that part of Canada, and uh, trappers, trapper keeper 5000s. And then um, also in Louisiana, and they use the Mississippi as a route. And that's why you have French influence down there with the Cajuns down in mm-hmm. New Orleans. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have the French connection up there in Canada. They're connected by trading up and down the Mississippi River. And yeah. other such rivers. Dot yeah. com. End of story. Beautiful. There you well go. Said. All right. So <laughs> let me talk a little bit about Meredith Kessler. Like, <laughs> Back to Meredith when does she rest? Um, and I, you know, she's been working with Matt Dixon, her coach, for a long time now. And I got to get a hold of that new book, uh, The Well Built Triathlete. Did uh-huh. you see this? Yeah. That Matt wrote. And I think Jesse Thomas is actually on the cover. And I think Meredith contributes to the book. But oh, they're both coached at- by Matt. Matt Dixon. Yeah, Purple Patch, good stuff. Um, what does Purple Patch look, mean? I don't know. Is but, that you an know, Eeyore thing, like a th- crown of I thistles think- on your head because you're bummed <laughs> out by everything? I think it's actually like a spot, like a, uh, it's not like a tangible thing, but it's like a place that you want to achieve. It's like your sweet spot, so to speak. I so it's just- like a Floyd Landis testosterone patch kind of spot? I hope not. <laughs> um, but no, I think like I think I've heard them a couple times as athletes say things like we've found our purple patch or whatever. So it's sort of like what we found our groove and we got in the zone or you so know. So he these people are being coached by Matt Dixon and Matt Dixon his his claim to fame uh what got him into being a coach was he was an endurance athlete. I don't know if he was pro or not. But, I think he was for a while. Um, he got burned out, and he's, he's out. as as he reached for the last action figure and fought with another dad over it over Christmas and was raining blows down upon his head. He thought there has to be a better way. Are you serious? Festivus right for the rest of us. You remember that Seinfeld episode? Of course, but is that a true story about Matt Dixon? <laughs> no, that's uh, uh, George's dad. So they're like, oh, how does Festivus oh. get started? And he said, well. He was reaching for an action figure when he or something when he was Christmas <laughs> shopping. And then as our rain blows down upon his head, <laughs> I thought there has to be a better way. Wait, but no, it was Matt Dixon really like overtrained and just I think like, so. he was out? overtrained okay. and he was like, this sucks. And um, so then he came up with a better way of training and coaching with more rest. And I wanted to mention that because I think you and I fall in that same camp. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's right? amazing. I've been doing this for like a month or so now, if not longer. 
and I feel freaking fabulous. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have yet to go toe the line at a race and see it, see if it comes together in that sense. Yeah. But I don't really care because I'm feeling better than I have in a long time right now. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I wanted to mention. I think, because I've been doing triathlon training forever. Now. Yeah, me too. I've been like, doing it. I, I, yeah. my first triathlon was on my radar, and I on t- in two thousand six, and I did my first one in two thousand seven. What about you? Two thousand two, maybe. Okay. So, um, and I've been burned out in swimming before, you know, mm-hmm. and I bet. I've seen other people. I think swimming's the probably the worst. And then, um, uh, so, um, and I, I've seen other people that I've coached get burned out. I've seen me get burned out in triathlon. And so I think there ought to be a better metric. There ought to be a better way. And I think Matt Dixon is really good at this. And because um, he's, he t- I think he, in one way, I think when he first started out, he was taking burned out athletes and then turning them around, right? Mm. And yeah. so um, what if, here's a genius idea. Okay. <laughs> so many genius one. ideas come from what, this. What if you made sure you felt fantastic most of the time? And then, Rather than and then follow. and then train like that. <laughs> so what a novel idea. So what you would do is every so many days you you take a break and recover to the point where you feel fantastic again and then ready to train instead of just digging a bigger and bigger 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 hole. Yeah. And as uh, Sammy would say, Sammy Inkinen, just hoping that with luck, that with taper, you might feel you might be better at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I completely agree, but then you have a lot of just like traditional programs or what you think in your head you should be capable of doing, and sometimes what you want out of yourself is not what you can get out of yourself, and I think that was um, a large issue that I was facing. Like, I wanted more out of myself than I was able to realistically put forth, and that not only related to training, that had to do with like work life and all that kind of stuff, so it's about finding that good balance, and it's you know, a tricky equation well, for everyone. But then what you do is, is you take more rest days to let your systems come back, all your yeah. hormones and everything come back. But then on the days in between your rest days, when you are training, train harder. Yeah. And that makes you stronger, faster, puts on more muscle, burns off more calories, right? And so then you mix in more rest days, a lot more rest days. But then and that allows you to train harder in between. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, uh, I had something to say and now I totally forgot what it was. I was cool. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so, but that, okay, going oh. back to Matt Dixon then, yeah. and if he does kind of take broken athletes and builds them back up, which yeah. I know he's done before, but you take someone then like Meredith Kessler uh-huh. and kind of look at her, um, and I know there's, you know, some people out there like her who are freaks of nature. Yeah. Uh, sh- the way she's able to just race and race and race and then a very short off season relatively speaking i mean i just pulled up her schedule and last year she did kona Mm -hmm. to finish her year of course um kona rev three half and then ironman arizona and then immediately it was back to it this year with ironman new zealand which is the beginning of the year and then from there it's just been something every month and she just won montre blanc so obviously like she's not like killing herself doing this but but the thing you're not thinking about is is how many rest days is she taking in between races? Well, that's right? what I want to know. We're I want to. I want to look at some like concrete data with her between yeah. her and 
Um, we're Matt. so steeped in this culture of, you know, at most, dude, there, there's an article when I was looking up the news to talk with you about today, there's an article on Triathlon Magazine's website, um, how many, you know, how much rest should I take? How many rest days should I take? And they're like, well, you, you know, if you're kind of a newbie to a sport and you're not that badass, basically, then, you know, like one a week, and I'm sitting knowing what I know now, I'm like, oh my God, that's how people get wrecked. You're training mm-hmm. six days days in a row right mm-hmm. endurance aerobic strength just just non-stop six days and then taking one little day to hoping that your your system comes back online yeah it sounds See, crazy no. and then they're like well and actually if you're pretty good maybe take half a day and on the day that you take off you still you know like go work out and i'm like okay this is nuts absolutely nuts yeah. Now I do, I would say to that, I think there are plenty of people who on not every week, but some weeks can handle six days of training. But of that, there's at least two or three days of just extreme recovery. And that's where the problem arises that, that yeah. people distinguishing recovery versus quality. Right. Um, and not only in terms of intensity, but volume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've started doing my, you know, polarized training myself where you go really, really easy or really hard and how easy to go is unbelievable. If you go hard enough, then you need to go super easy, you know, Mm -hmm. to recover. And we're talking about, I mean, it's, it's literally running as slow as you can, biking as slow as you can, lots of coasting, just new, I call it noodling around, just noodling, but that's what it takes so that a few days later, you can do a hard interval workout again and actually get a good workout. If you start mixing in kind of medium hard in there, it wears you out. And so when you yeah. try to do a hard workout again, you can't do it. Yeah, I mean, you there's a lot of ways to skin a cat when it comes to the whole training thing. And I know you know as well as I, like with all your athletes that you coach, that it just gets, you know, every person needs to kind of have their own formula because – I have like a pretty extensive questionnaire that I give out to people before they come on board that sort of like gives me the foundation like, all right, well, where do I need to put this person like in terms of what do they need? And sometimes like people just have not been training enough, which is more rare, I would definitely say. Sometimes people think it's just like all this volume and I need to like scale them back. And then all of a sudden they're like, what? Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? I can't do all that? Um, So it's it's definitely... It's like you can do it, but but after a couple of months of doing this, you know, six days a week. And that's why, yeah, you can do six days a week or even six and a half, you know, but as long as you got an end goal in sight, Right. This mm-hmm. is not perpetual. This is the, the that is um, peak volume for a big race. And it's mm-hmm. got to start and it's got to finish. And then you got to go back to living your life. I was just talking with a guy by email, a guy, a coach. You know, he wanted to keep, you know, doing stuff. And I'm like, ah, I think you need to take some rest days. You know, like a, a, um, a, a, a threshold test just a few days after a race, you know. And I'm like, and and went and worked out, you know, like a few, just the day after the race and the day after that. And he's like, ah, oh, I hurt. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, no, like you got to take some time off or else your body can't absorb the work that you did. Right. Totally. And then, um, and, um, and the way I explained it, I said, people are more on off than medium all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why we sleep. You're active during the day, but then you sleep. Right. And then you, you go work out, but then you rest. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to think in more terms of 
on off so that you can absorb actually what's happening instead of just medium like all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Jam- uh, Jesse Thomas won. He won, and I was yeah. so so to see him win. And actually, speaking to kind of what we're talking about right now, I have like in my mind, I was sort of thinking about this one, and because he did Eagle Man, which was June eighth, oh. and if anyone didn't hear, he apparently accidentally rode off course, which ended up lasting <laughs> for a you know obviously significant amount of time. Yeah. It was like ten miles altogether. Yeah. Which I didn't actually end up doing the race. I don't know how easy or hard it is to go off course, but it, reading his blog, it made sense how he made the mistake. And he actually posted his Garmin uh, file, so you can see the little like little it's jog. this loop, and yeah. so you see like this little out and back like, wait a minute, that shouldn't be there. Um, but anyway, so he ended up just kind of like cruising through the run and all that, kind of just knowing that it wasn't going to be his day. Which yeah. cruising, I say, relatively speaking, to a pro's yeah. running style, elite running. Um, yeah. But I bet you anything, not having pushed himself to death in that race and then kind of still probably taking some recovery after that led to a phenomenal performance here at Montreal because, you know, I'm sure he was recovered on one end physiologically and and mentally just wanting to, like, make a good little comeback after, like, making a mistake, like, going off course. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you you, – I bet you Matt Dixon has these guys because this is what I would do if I – uh, my coaching was, you know, famous for helping people that have been burned out or preventing burnout. You know, it's like the thing to look for is, do I feel awesome yet? You know, like for recovery. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, do Eagle Man, right? And then do nothing for a while. And until you feel like you can barely stand it anymore. Now go out and train really freaking hard. <laughs> and uh, until until you're like, man, I'm done, right? Yeah. Like I can't absorb anymore. I'm, I've, you know, you're talking like two, three days of some, you know, some pretty at elite level, right? You, right. Of some pretty badass shit. It just be like, man, ah, now take a break for a little bit, let it all soak in, and then just, and that's instead of just like constant volume, it's more like of an up down, like a on off, like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then yeah, like go into Montreal, um, make sure that you feel freaking awesome you're used to searching for that feeling of awesome you know and then you know going into it um that you're really recovered and you're ready to kick some ass yeah yeah i agree for sure um i kind of posted a little bit about this on my coach tawny.com website and i just posted the blog yesterday but i was listening to this podcast uh do you ever listen to the fat burning man with abel james no i haven't um, cool, I just, I'm trying to like broaden my podcast listening and just kind of get it taken. He's one of the top ones in the health and fitness category. Good guy. I think he's um, only a year or two older than I am. And he had on Dr. Jeff Spencer, who has just, you know, kind of been around and even worked with Lance at one point. Um, but great show on like uh, insight on like recovery and overtraining uh-huh. and why we all kind of fall victim to this at some point or another in our athletic careers, whether yeah. we're an amateur or pro. We fall and victim really- to overtraining? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. A lot. He was talking about like the fear end of it and why like we are more of like fear based by yeah. nature due to kind of like flight or fight stuff, uh, and we let our fears kind of spiral us into yeah. thinking like I need to do more because so and so is doing more and I got to do what they're doing or. Yeah. But the thing is, it's maybe. like it's like it's like posting on Facebook. Right. All you ever see is somebody's great stuff. So you think that their life is fantastic. 
mm-hmm. and you're not seeing all the crap that they have to deal with on a regular basis, right? So right. you show up at training, everybody's acting like, because they're worried, they're afraid of not looking awesome, and they're putting on their best performance. So everybody starts overdoing it because everybody's, totally. it's that whole thing where uh, at Kona, right, or at an Ironman, people show up a few days beforehand or a week beforehand, and they start seeing how fit everybody is, so everybody starts training, you know, because they're worried. Yep. But and and these are the best that, athletes in the world. They know better too, you know? They know so not to do better. anything. But they can't yeah. take it. Yeah. It's crazy stuff, but again, I think, you know, the other thing that was cool on this podcast that I really was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense for me right now" because as I've sort of like transitioned made like a a different approach to my own training, one of the things that I'm doing more of is are things outside of just traditional swim bike run, like yeah. surfing and stand up paddleboarding and any other like extracurricular activity, like whatever it may be, may not even be um finger painting. Yeah, exactly. Pottery. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like letting allowing yourself to do that. And Jeff uh-huh. Spencer on this podcast made a good argument for that, like looking to like Michael Jordan, for example, on him his uh love for playing golf and yeah, yeah. that actually was good for him versus had he spent more time in on the basketball court training for that. Right. And that, that kind of goes back to okay, so what I'm doing lately is um, cause I was getting a little bit burned out, but, but in a, in a really weird way, you know, just kind of like, no matter what I was doing, it just didn't seem to be making me any better, you know? And I was just like, well, so I thought I'd give the polarized thing a try and taking a break. And then, um, it was really bizarre getting into it. Um, cause you feel a whole lot of anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm getting slower, I'm getting slower, I'm getting slower. And then uh, waiting a few days and then going out and having a really great workout and then going, wow, that was a great workout. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a workout like that in years. Why? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you never gave yourself a freaking break. Yep. Yep. I'm going to have to – you sent me an email on that, huh? I haven't – that was when I was still on the East Coast. I got to check that out. Polarized training. Oh, the whole polarized training method. Yeah. It's a um, seminar on it that a guy gave. And about – um, the how much to train hard, and then uh, Europeans, uh, Northern Europeans, uh, Norwegians, for example, have been using polarized forever, and um, because they've been doing aerobic sports forever, um, <laughs> because they used to get around everywhere on skis. Mm. That, that was a method of transportation was cross country skiing. You know, mm-hmm. you can find old artwork, you know, of, of people doing that a thousand years ago or something, and mm-hmm. so. Um, so being a good cross-country skier, you know, was vital to survival in, in Northern Europe. So they, um, uh, they figured out long ago how to become a really good aerobic endurance athlete. Long time ago. So you go really hard every, like, three days. And then it's not, and you don't even go as hard as you think you need to. And then everything else in between is just noodling around, just kind of... Yep playing around and then that allows you to absorb the um the hard work and the hardest part isn't the um isn't the intervals it's the not doing the inter- not doing medium all the time absolutely yeah but then when you start putting the big picture together you're like oh yeah that's what you notice about the elites right and it's, they're always talking about that about taking your easy days even easier yeah yeah it's got to be it's got to yeah. be man 
All right. I have to get going pretty soon, though. Me so too. Is there anything else? Yeah. I got I know you're on your lunch break. No, right I'm, now. I'm totally busy, too. Okay. It's cool. And I got. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got I to gotta go somewhere. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be right there. You know what? Okay, so I have another call right after this, and it's funny because I'm, like, on the verge of getting a treadmill for, like, not for exercise or anything, but just so I'm not sitting on my butt on phone calls all day long because I'm on the phone a lot, a lot, a lot, and I'm not looking – like, I don't necessarily want it for a means of exercise, but movement. Like, when we were on the East Coast and in D.C. especially, we were walking around so much every day, and I started to feel phenomenal from it, just, like – refreshed you yeah. know yeah because it's so DC's low intensity like it's I'm, huh? I'm not sure if dc's like that but i know you know like chicago and san francisco and new york it's a walking they're walking cities yeah, i'm not well, sure actually, how much dc's like that it is because well i've been to um san fran and chicago as well but what's cool about dc is that if you're going like tour style everything is pretty much within walking distance whereas like in san francisco you're gonna at least have to take some sort of transportation from like the far ends of town to get to see certain things right but like if you're trying to hit up just like the basics in dc like in where the capital is and everything it's all within a five mile or so radius if not even tighter than that yeah um it's great cool on your walk you can just hop Go rent a Segway scooter and get some uh, <laughs> get some uh, Hostess cakes or what? What is it? Little Debbie's? Nom, Not Hostess. Nom, nom, little nom. Debbie's and just drive that Segway scooter with one hand and, and munch on a Little Debbie. Nom nom it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, treadmill. I've I've done business calls on a treadmill before. Yeah. It's what speed? Person goes. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you have to do it at like three speed or slower. Yeah, but at least that. you're walking. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, rather than being in a seated position, which is seriously the worst position for us to be in. Yeah. Look at us athletes talking about this. Seated, I know. Seated. Sat. Ugh, sat. Anyways. All thanks, right. man. I will be in touch. Real. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you, Tawny. Kick ass. I also want to mention a sponsor about uh, Hornet Juice, man. Holy crap. I've getting, I'm getting a lot of Hornet Juice orders coming in. You go on the right side of the page. Let me go. Zentrathlon.com. I'm going to go there myself. I've got some kind of ad up or some kind of website up on my computer right now for Endurance House. I was trying to figure out what in the heck that even is. Okay. So if you scroll down on the right side of Zentrathlon.com, you come to these purple and blue packets called Hornet Juice. And you order them. And they are – this is crazy – but they are made in a it's it's uh, an amino acid which is protein powder uh, with carbs but um, simulates the saliva I swear this is true it is the same profile as the saliva of the Japanese killer hornet and because because what they found is this amino acid mix stimulates fat burning like crazy so it it um, helps you uh, you take it a little bit before your workout your long, longer workouts, and then a little bit during. And um, you get just a ton more energy because your body's metabolizing a lot more body fat. The, uh, the, the amino acids burning in your, in your uh, stomach uh, stimulate this. And um, Japanese hornets have the uh, highest uh, power-to-weight ratio, of, I think, of any creature alive. And uh, they can fly for like 100 miles or something like that, but they weigh a lot. They're kind of big. So, so in the lab, they were trying to figure out how – how they do this because it doesn't seem to make sense. But in the, um, 
in the saliva of the hornet. I swear, this is true. You got to go check it out. And the saliva of the hornet is the, is the key to the fuel that they use to metabolize uh, their, uh, their reserves. And they can just fly and fly and fly. So they decided to start making a lab test on athletes. It works. It's freaking crazy. It's really cool. And I've been using it for years. I used it uh, yesterday, by the way. And um, uh, you order it through Zentri and you get it at a... Um, you get to help support the show because the money, um, the, uh, the the little bit of markup that I add to it goes right into supporting bandwidth. And, and it's a cool way to help the show by helping yourself, right? You can get Hornet Juice somewhere else, fine. You get it through here, it helps pay for the uh, podcast. And I roll over a lot of that money. We've got a college fund going for Kai, my nine-year-old. And uh, just lots of, lots of cool ways to... Um, to uh, turn this uh, this little supporting part of Zentri around for you guys. So, anyways, go check it out. Anyway, I mean, you don't have to get it through here. Just go check it out. It's crazy, like the the stories about it, like how it really works, and it does work. I use it all the time. And let's hop on over to our interview with Compete Hub. This is Mike Bestvina, and we recorded this uh, a while ago, a couple weeks ago at least, and um, I've been trying to find the right place to put it in a show because we had that interview with Brandon Marsh, who won the Ironman Swim, and that was kind of timely, so I wanted to throw that in there in the last episode. So this one, we've got Compete Hub, and next episode, we have an interview with the visually impaired, uh, I struggle with the right term to call it, um, athlete who uh, won a spot to Kona and she and her teammate that are going to ride that's going to be a cool I've already recorded that that's an awesome interview so that's in the next podcast but let's go ahead and talk to Mike Bestvina from San Francisco from Silicon Valley and all about um, how they got started with Compete Hub and how it works and, and tooling around on the website it's a pretty cool conversation I'm really excited to bring it to you so let's check it out here we go all right, I'm here with Mike Bestvina, the CEO of Compete Hub. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Just did a, a little open water swim with my son, and we're just relaxing and chilling out. And uh, thought I'd hit you up on Skype. See what's up. Are you up in uh, Silicon Valley? That's right. Yep. Yeah. And I just got back from a nice about fifteen mile run. So. Oh, cool. Trying to yeah, trying to keep the, the training going here on a <laughs> on a nice sunny weekend. Awesome, man. So uh, what we're going to talk about today is CompeteHub.com, and um, it's really interesting. I've been talking about it on. Uh, a couple of shows, and um, I thought I'd get Mike on here to, to talk about what it actually is, because even though I've used it, um, I'm probably missing a few parts of it, <laughs> of all the things that it is and, and that you want it to be and that uh, people should know about. And, totally. Uh, yeah, and I mean, just right off from the beginning, I, I really liked it because it helped me find a race that I might end up doing and sure. that I would never have noticed. So, um, yep. and, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of the story about how it got started and, and, uh, how it works and what your plans are? Yeah, 
Totally. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're, we're glad to hear from, from people like you, even, you know, as, as users. Uh, when we actually launched, we launched about two weeks ago, and the uh, the feedback has been has been quite positive uh, in terms of people look at the site right away and they say, oh, this is this is pretty cool, and um, you know, this doesn't exist is usually the, the feedback we've gotten. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It all kind of came about um, about about two or three years ago. Um, I did I did one of my um, I think my second or third half Ironman. I was living over in the, in Europe for a while, and um, and uh, I, I, got, I started I, I started realizing that as, as especially as beginners in the in the sport, you can't really find very good information about the races. Um, just finding out which race to do becomes this sort of like task overload. And you know, you try to find you talk to your friends. You don't know who's doing triathlons of your friends, and all it becomes this kind of convoluted um, sort of type of thing. So that that was how it all kind of got got put together. And it, it, the biggest story around that was um, a couple of friends of mine had done this the Half Ironman in Majorca, which at the time had about thousand people, and today now they have about three thousand people going to that race. It's pretty big now. And uh, they invited myself, and they said you got to do this race. So you know, word of mouth, you know best way to, to get you know people to do buy things and and do things and uh right so after that uh i said okay cool brought a friend of mine along and um a year later we turned that into 15 people for my club um and that was all because i had said hey you got to check this race out four of my friends have now done it and everybody kind of tagged along and then i built all this logistics and you should have seen the spreadsheet i put together on here's what the race map looks like you know here's what the temperature is going to be you know, uh, hotels and all that stuff. So, so I think I could sort of build a platform to go and, and make this easier for people. And actually, there's, there's a lot of value that, that can be added there. So that's sort of how we got born. And, um, you know, the, the easiest way that we, we describe the site to people is it's sort of a Yelp for competitive events. Uh, oh, and, okay. uh, yeah. and, and what that means really is, you know, it's the discovery side of it. So, you know, the way people use Yelp today is you're sitting there and you say, oh, I want to go have Chinese tonight. So you open up the app and you type in Chinese and there's a Chinese place around the corner. Right. Um, but the beauty of something like that is the fact that there's, you know, there's no duplicate. Um, you get definitive information. Now, today on Yelp, you get the menus. Um, you get to see if there's deals and all that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, what we're trying to do is do the exact same thing but in the endurance space. Um, or turn off the triathlon and we're moving into everything else that us sort of endurance junkies like to do. So running right. races, um, trail runs. Um, we've now got, or we're going to be working on adventure racing, which is kind of the hot up and coming thing, um, swimming, cycling events. Um, and also we're looking at CrossFit as well. Oh, you might break into the CrossFit market? We're looking at it because the, the whole theory is that, um, you know, a lot of people, especially like our, our sort of view on this is that when people get outside of college, it's sort of that barrier of when people start to put a little weight on and they start thinking about their fitness, they start thinking about their health, everything starts to slow down a little bit. Right. And um, and, and, and what we found is, especially in triathlon specifically, is people go and do these events because, you know, that's the biggest thing is they want to get fit. They want, they want to get challenged, you know, throughout their whole life, growing up, they're doing sports or whatever, and they, they want that next challenge, And um, which is why we call it Compete Hub. I mean, it's a hub to go and compete. And whether that's you're, you're the gym rat that wants to go and do CrossFit as, as sort of your thing or do a tough mutter, um, you know, we want to be the place to go and find that for you to go and compete as an individual, compete with your friends, 
um, and go and find the race and, and, and in competition that your friends are doing. Now, that's a little bit away from us right now, but running races are coming soon. Um, we've got a big database of triathlons. Um, we've got most of them in the U.S. and the U.K. right now. Um, and so that sort of next trend that, you know, this, I think it's about 38% of triathletes don't do running races. That's sort of the next step for us. So, um, and yeah, like you were saying with um, <laughs> Yelp is actually a really good model to try to to try to I don't know like emulate is because um, like you were saying they have menus right and yep. with uh, Compete Hub you have um, <laughs> you have race maps and and uh, you know yep. course course yep. maps and and stuff like that it, it actually works out uh, very very similarly. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of like a race as a restaurant, isn't it, in a way? Yeah, well, and, and, and you know, there's, you know, the next sort of progression in terms of that is we're coming out with a, a mobile app mm-hmm. um, that allows you to go and see all the information and get all that stuff on your phone. So, like, you know, one, of the, one of the use cases that we've seen already with the mobile app, because we've been testing it with some beta users, is literally people are, they'll get the email from the event organizer, you know, three or four days before the event, It'll have this PDF download that's, you know, like 20 megabytes, and they're trying to download it on their phone and pinch and zoom and all this stuff on a PDF, and they can't even, nobody can even find out, where do I put the GPS in my phone to go and drive to the race? Yeah. Um, so one, one of the most easiest, like, things, that, and, and it's very simple in the sense that, you know, Yelp does that really well, where you just, you know, it tells you exactly where it is, even if it's around the corner, you just pop it in your GPS in your phone, walk around and find the place. Um, we want to do the same thing. That becomes just even just that little feature becomes massively valuable to to the end users. Um, that that's a bit where we see we see the vision as well. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, the active dot com model. Now that I think about it, compared to Compete Hub, seems very dated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it yeah, seems and, you know, their their model I, seems I, so I, sloppy with the the constant just hammering you to sign up for more and more stuff with uh, ads, like yeah. How about this? How about this? How about you know this magazine and like just hammering you? And it's like where? Why am I on this page again? How fast can I get out of here? It's, it feels like yeah. a minefield that you're trying to get out of instead of something and, and pleasurable you know, to use. Exactly. And, and without without saying anything about active, you know, the way we look at it is we want to position races and things that we know that you're going to like. Yeah. Um, the reason people go to Amazon.com. Even though you're, they get the same experience, you're bombarded with all this, you know, somebody bought this but also bought this, is because people are kind of like, oh, no, crap, actually, I do want that. Right, yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I think what, what hasn't been served in this market yet is building some intelligence around that. Um, and so we, we, we kind of are self-dubbed um, data junkies. So we, you know, we, we're all about data. And... Our idea is to go and get more more information about data, about what people are doing in terms of races. So, you know, as you said, we've got course maps on there. So, right. and that's all in the digital format. It's not in a PDF that you have to download or whatever. It's literally it's in a Google Maps. So, um, you know, we we are looking at that from a data perspective to go and then position things that you might like want that you might want to do. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure you you, you might have had this experience before, but um, you know, you, you schedule out your race calendar for the year and you say, okay, I got an Ironman in 16 weeks. Ooh, I want to throw an, you know, an Olympic in there in week eight. But what, you know, is there an Olympic that I can go and do in week eight? Well, actually, that's really easy to do on our site. 
Um, in fact, we actually put on some of the race listings, we literally just say, how many weeks away is it? So you can get that kind of scope and, okay, yeah, I could do that. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good in good shape to, to go and do that race. Um, right. So we're, uh, you know, that's, that's, some of those little subtleties are, are, are we found it, are, have been quite important to our users. So, um, how is, let's go to competehub.com right now. And let's see if there's a um, a way to use it that maybe I don't know of yet. Okay. So I'm there. Are you are you in a place where you can get to it? Your baby? Uh, I could. Yeah, <laughs> or you don't even need to. You can just tell me because you. <laughs> I can probably just tell you. Yeah. You can exactly. Just like imagine it in your mind because you've been there. Exactly. You're like, yeah, I know what that looks like. Do, okay. Do you want me to give you a hint on, on a cool play, something that's sort of buried that yeah, we've got in there? Let, let me get back. I, I want to make sure we were recording. <laughs> 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 oh, podcasting, the joys. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, where to go? I had it up. Um, and I somehow minimized it. Okay. So what's cool right off the bat is it's like super clean, right? Yeah. And... Um, not a whole bunch of, for lack of a better word, crap everywhere. So it's just super yeah. simple. Um, what did you design this in? Uh, in terms of what? Is it just uh, like CSS? Technology? And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, everything's HTML, CSS. Um, so the back end for any techies out there that are listening, um, we, we use a, a stack called Ruby on Rails. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, our search is all what's called Elasticsearch, which is, what makes it really easy for us to sort of break down facets of search, which um, if you go on the search, for example, you can actually, it's pretty cool, like you can go and pick out your sort of perfect parameters of, okay, I want to go and find just a race in Texas that's Olympic within 25 miles of where I live. Um, and, and you can actually do that pretty quickly, and the search is super snappy. So, um, See, Texas Olympic. Yeah. And hopefully, cro cross my fingers it works now. Okay. <laughs> and it says, yeah, there's Bernie, um, which is just west of Austin. Um, so if I type, yeah, tell me about this Elastic Search. How does that work? So if um, I type it, in I mean, Texas Space Olympic. What does that? What does that kind of do? So that should pull in. What it'll do is it'll analyze those words and and try to figure out facets from it. Um, and what a facet is is sort of like a an attribute of, of what you're looking for in terms of your search term. So very much um, like Google in the sense that we try to keep things as free-flowing as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you know the name of the race, you can type the name of the race and it's going to show up as, as a result. Um, if you have a certain parameter that you want, so for example, Olympic, mm -hmm. um, it'll say, oh, shoot, like Olympic is, a, is an interesting term. Um, and we can go and identify that and you can actually then filter on the word Olympic um, if it's a classification of the race. Um, so now we're, we're, we're tuning it, and the nice thing with it is that you can tune it over time to make it more adapted to the way people sort of naturally search. Yeah. Wow, there's um, but more. The whole, I, can't, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> there's, wow. I should have typed this in right from the beginning. There's a triathlon. This is this is why I like Compete Hub. There's a triathlon <laughs> in ba Bastrop, State Park, which is this beautiful park. Okay. And oh, and, and you know what's super cool? I didn't notice this before. On your search results, you have um, how long away the race is? Ten weeks yeah. away. 
Yeah. So ten weeks away, you have a um, you, <laughs> they, have a um, a triathlon slash sort short duathlon a sprint distance in um, Bastrop. Wow, that's pretty cool. And then the result will show you how many people are that are on uh, Compete Hub yep. that are yep. that are uh, going to do it. Yep. And uh, you can wish list it. Yes, the whole idea is <laughs> you guys if are you've done killing it. this, man. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, so wow. if you're like, oh shoot, you know, I want to save this for later. I throw it on a wish list. Yeah. Funny, funny enough, we've actually got a decent amount of users who are just people spectating the events, and they they end up using that wish list feature to say, oh, okay, my well, you know my brother, or my dad, or whatever, my son is doing. Uh, a we should add a wish list or a spectating yeah. option. We we are. It's we've gotten that feedback already yeah. to go and to, to add that. So we're going cool? to be able to, to be able to change the product. <laughs> and honestly, it would yeah. be you know one of the things. One of one of my selling points. The only thing I will sell um, is the fact that you know our team is we, we we can develop and make things happen very quickly. So mm-hmm. if we get a big demand demand for a, a sort of feature, yeah. um, our turn like we we're pushing stuff into our live environment almost daily. Um, so the, you'll see subtle things will probably change every once in a while. And, you know, this is this is very much the kind of Silicon Valley culture, which I'm sure people have heard from the Facebook and Twitter world is, yeah. you know, move fast and break things type of thing. So we want to just try to deliver as much value value as quickly as possible to, to our end users, and that's something that we we've got a lot of good, you know good reception about. Is people say, "Oh, I want to see this," and then three days later, it's on the site. And I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's awesome!" So yeah, wow, you have a oh wow, I just found the next terror race. And there Waco, go. Waco's got a killer park where they they throw uh, just great yeah. races. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it's in the Brazos River before the Brazos River turns into just a mud pit down where I live. Up there, it's a little right. bit nicer. <laughs> cool, man. But see, and, yeah. and it's interesting, like so all the all the stuff you're talking about right now, like oh, this place is cool. It has this scenic and all that. Yeah. This is going to be sort of the next steps that we move into, yeah. starting to get some of like the reviews, and mm-hmm. we're actually we're told we've been. We want to get reviews right. We've seen a lot of other sites that do reviews, um, even just reviews in general across the web are, are sort of not done correctly. Yeah, so how do you want to get right? it done? Well, so one of the things that we're toying with right now, we, we're kind of building our labs is um, one thing actually that Foursquare does really well is they call them kits. So they just call them, like people just write one one liner and then they put a picture in there. Mm-hmm. And um, what we're thinking about doing is adding a section that's just called tips. And then I have another part that's like the full race report that people like to, you know, do the whole blog post on their uh, experience. That's a lot um, in the constructive language, isn't it? Tips. Yeah. Because that, that keeps it to tips instead of exactly. negative comments. So, what the cool thing yeah. there is that we, what we want to be able to do is in the tips section uh-huh. um, is because well, we've got a lot of demand for like, oh, what's the wind like? Should I bring a disc? Should I have an aero helmet? And so everybody, you know, everybody loves to talk about that stuff. Um, and we want to capture that, but we don't want it to get lost. And that's the problem is that if you look at the other reviews, you just get this whole page of like, even if they've got 100 reviews on a raise, some of that information is lost because nobody's going to read through all that stuff. Um, people might read through one race report, one race report and read through it and be like, oh, that's interesting. But sometimes the information is lost. And what we want to do is then what we do is once you get all these short little tips, and maybe it's, oh, yeah, I used the disc wheel and it was great, one-liner. Mm-hmm. If five people say that out of 100 tips, and that's the most prominent thing, then we go and we summarize that and we say, 
um, you know, this is a great disc wheel race. Right. Um, and that also, that all of a sudden becomes really interesting, especially for the, you know, the junkies like you and I, <laughs> you know, we, we want to know everything about every turn and every piece of my equipment's got to, you know, be right for the race. So, you could come up with um, like 10 little, little logos, like little images. I'm talking like tiny, you know, yeah. that, that symbolize something like disc wheel. Okay. Um, tri bike. Yeah. Okay. Versus like road bike family fun yeah. versus whatever, you know, and you could have them like yeah, yeah. under the bigger image of the race. And then if you yep. drift your mouse over it, it says what it is, you yep. know, like yep. um, uh, trails, you know, or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, like you, whatever yeah. people are kind of like um, whatever. And it starts collecting these logos under it. So it's kind of like yep. people get an idea just by without even having to read anything. They can just see the little symbols. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's the and that's the goal of our site is one is to discover the, discover the races. Two is get the right information about the individual race that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the, those those two those two problems um, are not being either aren't being solved correctly or just not being solved at all. And so we see those as you know being the, the two kind of cornerstones of what we're doing. So let's say um, I'm in I'm on Compete Hub, right? Mm-hmm. What's gonna What's gonna pull me in every day? Um, am I gonna get some kind of like a summary of my friends in compete hub that have checked these things out or something like that or what what yeah. gets me back to the page every day um besides just looking for a race once a month or something once every few months yeah a couple things actually since i think i've last talked to you we just pushed out a um a new feature that every sunday um you'll get a you'll get a list of anywhere between five and 15 race events that we we have sort of categorically identified based on races you've done before, what your friends are doing, what your preferences are. We built this algorithm that goes and says, here's here's a list of you know recommended races that you might want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not similar to the sort of dashboard that you get there when you log in, um, but it kind of gives you more push on that. And so if you, you know, if you're not on the site every day, and you're not looking, oh, what are my friends doing, who's been added, all that stuff, you're going to get that email, all of a sudden you'll see, oh, shoot, i got six friends doing that race in 10 weeks. Okay, right. Maybe I might want to do that. That sounds like fun um, now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then also we, we've also got another thing, double-check if we've put it into production yet, but we've already tested it, is um, if a friend has signed up for something, you can get an email alert, you can turn those on and off so that people find them annoying. Um, but you can turn them, um, you'll get an email that says, Hey, so-and-so, your friend has just signed up for this event go check it out. Right. Um, and that's the whole thing we want it. You know, I, I hate to use the word social, but we are capturing that social experience because we realize that this, 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 this market is, and this community is all based on, you know, people you're racing by yourself, mm-hmm. but the reason people keep coming back to race isn't just for yourself. It's because there's other people that are cheering you on. The yeah. people you get to compete against, um, and that's what you know. That's why people come back and do it every year, and every week, and every month. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and um, you, you are working with the the little symbols a little bit. You get the swim bike run. Yep. On what it is, and then um, let's see. Oh, you got it broken up by brands too, right? So you can do yeah, was, that was that was the thing I was going to see if you could you could dig in there because that's a little bit hidden. So if you go on. You actually go on to one of them. You'll see if you've got the brand logo, and you can click on that, and yeah, it gives me, you a full list of all. Let me see something interesting. Um, Rev three, okay, Rev three. Oh, and it, you can sort it by date or by the race name, I guess, um, and then uh, or by 
yeah, just data race. Okay, so then um, Rev3 Wisconsin is two weeks away. Rev3 Maine, 11 weeks away. Rev3 Florida, 22 weeks away. Wait, are you saying that I can, because I do news on the podcast, mm-hmm. I could actually just go here and click on Iron Man, for example. Yep. And... So I'll give you a little hint. Yeah. Going into every weekend, every Thursday and Friday, I come in there and I go on Ironman, I go on Rep 3, I go on a hit, uh-huh. and I look at what races are coming up that weekend. Um, and then, you know, we do a little a little tweet, you know, a couple of tweets and Facebook kind of posts on what, what races are coming up for that weekend. So people, if people know people are doing that race and give a little flavor of what's going on. But, um, yeah, that's exactly what I do. So <laughs> I, get, I get a little bit of a pulse on what, what races are coming up on the weekend. Okay, so how do I wait? I th- I think I've got Iron Man and Texas logged in my search at the same time. Let's see, I want to get out of that. So if you well, if you put in Iron Man Texas, because what we do is we actually filter out past events because we're uh-huh. we're usually looking at forward looking events. So there's a filter on there that say take off past events. So yeah. if you're looking for Iron Man Texas, it won't show up unless you do that. Let's see. Okay, Iron Man. Okay. So, here's what everybody needs to know. <laughs> June 15th, Boulder. Ironman 70.3, Boulder. 70.3, Victoria. 70.3, Arhaus. Oh, Denmark. So, I yep. can say I want to do an Ironman brand race, or these are the races that are coming up. I can just come here and look. And see Absolutely, yeah. Chattanooga, 60 it, interestingly, we also have all we we actually have in our database all of the number of slots for Kona and for the seventy point three championship. So um, we're actually coming out with soon. In that same view, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see how many slots. So, so for the, the the Uber junkies who are looking to yeah. score their spot for Kona, they can just literally see it almost like it looks like an Excel. Almost, you know, you get kind of that spreadsheet look, and you can just see, okay, cool, this one this one's got thirty slots. Cool, I want that. You know, that one looks like one cool wish list. It. You want me to tell you something that everybody wants to know that nobody's I doing? Love, I would love for you to tell me that. <laughs> so check this out. Um, I'm not f- quite fast enough to qualify for Kona yet. Yep. But what's in, and I think there's a lot of people that fall in this in this category. How I'm in that fast? Too. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. fast was the the slowest um, person to qualify, qualify in Kona yeah. in in that race? you know, last year or whatever, you know, recently. Yep. And it is impossible for people to figure out. It's like people have I to know. go and do all this detective work. I don't know if there's an easy way to do it. Um, I don't know if Iron Man doesn't want people to know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out, you know, what do I need to do to qualify yep. for Kona at that race? Do I need to do a 10-hour? Do I need to do a 9.5? Do I need to do a 10.5? You know, what is it? Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. So I, I had the same discussion with one of our sort of, um, I call him one of our key users because the uh-huh. guy just loves the site. Um, yeah. and he's, 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 he's a, he's a very good, he does like a four, four thirty half Ironman. Wow, very, yeah. you know, top tier, you know, top 10% type guy. Yeah. Um, and he said the same thing and he actually, funny enough, a year ago, he's an IT consultant and he works mm-hmm. in sort of business intelligence stuff. And a year ago, he, him and a, a colleague of his, they, you know, they took all the data and they chucked it in a, I don't know if you're familiar with Tableau, but it's an analytics platform. They just chucked the data in there and they plotted out like 
the bike, you know, qualifications and all this stuff. And I, 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 he actually walked me through. He goes, here's my spreadsheet for, um, here's the fastest time. This is the time I need to go in order to qualify and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, so there's definitely demand for that. And it's something that we definitely want to do. Um, but that's going to be a little bit of baby steps because the data is, the data is all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah. There and, seems to be no way. It would be really easy for Ironman to publish it. So I don't know why they don't. Because they're there, you know. They could just write it down at, from the race yep. that day and say, or what is it, uh, Kona, the Kona uh, right. roll down, you know, the yep. next the next day, and go, okay, these yep. are our spots. This is, yeah, you know, totally. for somebody to 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 announce to, to write it down, but they don't, and I don't yep. know why. Yeah, it's and then that's so it's, valuable to know, like how fast do you need to go? Yeah, yeah. it's a it's amazing. We, I mean. Just in general, I mean, it's taken us a while just to even just get the the, the data correct for the races. I mean, we yeah. and quite frankly, <laughs> we don't have it. It's not perfect. I right. mean, our, our site's not perfect, but we're getting there. And, and actually, we're going to be relying more and more on the community to help us out because, um, you know, we're, we're we, we people love the site and they yeah. you know they're getting really engaged about it. And we're going to be rolling out a couple of new features. Well, um, we have features that are already just in the site. But we're going to be rolling them out so that people can start using them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people to actually add add the course maps for us, because there's all this data out there. So there's all this data around, I've done the race, I have the GPS for it. I mean, we can literally take that data and we can, we can add the course maps really easy. I just I actually just got an email from the user yesterday. She said, oh, I have all the course maps for you. I've got them on Garmin. And I go, cool, we can take those and we can put them on our site right away. So yeah. um, we're going to be rolling out that stuff. And and that's what we want to do is once people start seeing, okay, this is pretty cool what happens when we actually put this data in a platform that can take it and bring information out of it, mm-hmm. we then start, that becomes really interesting and, and then people are more incentivized to give us that information and do it for us, really, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, all the stuff that you just mentioned, like, you know, we're going to get there um, at some point, and and we're going to rely on, on this community to do that. Um, and we're we're just going to have the tools that make it easy to do. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, one thing, I mean, there's so much you can do. That well, one one of the things of, <laughs> yeah. of of engineering this stuff is you have to keep it. You have to decide yep. to leave things out. You have to edit it out. It, you know, you have, you to, have no idea how much we spend yeah. probably more time deciding Saying what no. not to put in than yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, because then people can't use the site. Then it becomes yeah. um, a website that's so full of clutter, you can't yeah. find anything. You know, exactly. And um, yeah, it's it's harder to make software that that um, yeah. is simple so that people can actually yeah. find their way through it. And you have to at some at some point you have to say, you know, we're gonna have to let somebody else invent that site because totally that does this one specific thing. You know. Like, which yeah. is a great, yeah, which is a great point. I mean, one of the things that we are staying away from initially is the training piece. Um, we've gotten yeah, a yeah, lot sure. of demand for it. Yeah. But we said, you know what? We don't do that well. That's mm-hmm. not what we're, you know, our purpose is you want to find information about the race and you want to decide what races you're doing. We're going to do that well. Yeah. And so your, 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 your point about it, sort of the, the people who want to see how fast people are doing the race and stuff is, is well noted because that is part of the experience of this is the race I want to do. Um, but again, yeah, you're absolutely right. We we just want to do that really well. But the other stuff, we let somebody else do that. Yeah, like yeah, the um, how fast you need to go to qualify for Kona fits under your umbrella because that tells exactly. you about absolutely. that. It tells you yep. about whether or not you want to sign up for that race, and that's different. Exactly. That's a yep. totally different beast than are you fit enough or get fit enough to right. do a yep. race, which is yep. training. 
That's more like finding exactly. a coach. You know, that would be a exactly. coach uh, or training. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really yeah. excited, you know, to um, be I'm help, excited that you're out. excited. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> to be helping out and help promote it because I think it, like in an email I wrote, I said, this thing has legs. <laughs> this right. is cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it looks really well, well, well done. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's got enough legs to get us through an Ironman. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through the long haul. Yeah, cool. exactly. No, we're, we're excited about it. I think the opportunity is, is great. Um, it's something that, you know, one of the other big reactions we've gotten is, they'll be doing this. Um, you know, and, and but I've been wanting, you know, people say, oh, I'm wanting to see this. And so, yeah. you know, we're like, okay, well, we're going to go make it happen. So, um, you know, and uh, I think there's, there's so many ways that we can help athletes, you know, find the races and find the information about that and then helping them get to the race. To, our, our ultimate goal is setting the expectations about what's going to happen at a race, whether you're the first timer or you're a 10th timer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is always that component of I've got this race coming up. What are all the things I need to do to get there? Um, what should I be doing another race beforehand? Once I'm done with my next race, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, we want to become that, that de facto place to, to go and do that. Yeah, that's true. So, um, how about, how about you wrap it up with us, with, with you, uh, telling us, um, some Silicon Valley stories, a good one. Ooh. Like, um, Ooh. like, do you, do you ever, <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, do you, did you ever like, uh, ever, ever, ever see, see, uh, Steve Jobs driving around or did you ever worry that are you looking for a phone prototype or something like that at a bar that somebody might have dropped or like um, you know living way down here in texas it's it's kind of like silicon valley if you're into tech is kind of like our hollywood you know so you you imagine that it's like even way cooler than it is you know you know so i've been there though and i've driven around and i and i i got oh yeah it's just you know it's just a place but it's exactly. but but it's a place where Yahoo is headquartered over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean um, it's pretty freaking cool. It's so. uh, you know, so I don't have any juicy stories. Uh-huh. Um, I have I've you know I've got some information, but stuff that I probably can't share. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's interesting. It's uh, it's a really cool place. I think the the real interesting thing is that you know, in fact, there's a TV show now on HBO called Silicon Valley. They kind of mock all the sayings and everything, and um, it's. A lot of the stuff in actually that show is is, is not um, untrue in the sense that like right. this is how people talk here. Um, the cool thing is, and in fact, the, the place that we're staying at, there's a lot of people just going out and just building software and trying to do some really cool things. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people doing that, and I think it's really exciting just to be in that environment yeah. um, because you've got a lot of people who think big. Um, you know, it's the sky is the limit. And, you know, like for stuff like that we're doing in terms of like, you know, stuff that we're doing in terms of trying to get all this data and catalog and organizing it, it's not easy. Um, and what's cool about being in this area of the, of the country and the world is that everybody here thinks we can do it, you know, and, and no matter yeah. how long it can take us or whatever. And I think that's the, that's kind of the cool thing that, that, that resonates really well here. And, and actually, I was, I, I, I have, I've only been here for about a half a year. I was actually in London. I was living in Europe, um, mm-hmm. working for a, a consulting company out there. So, um, but I'd always kind of had a, a, a view on what was going on here. And since I moved here, it's just been, it's been amazing. And, um, you know, the advantages you get here in terms of advice and investment and all that stuff are, you know, unparalleled. So, 
uh, we're excited about that. We we see it as a as a huge advantage for us to to get the market faster and and also the triathlon scene is awesome. Um, you yeah, got it some is. serious yeah. you got some serious serious people out here. Actually, the you, so you just did Texas a couple weeks ago, right? Uh huh. Um, I think the guy so there's a there's a club out here called Everyman Jack. Um, that the guy who won the amateur level, uh, first place overall in amateur, a guy named Kim, his last name now, can't remember it. Um, but he, they're all based, Everyman Jack is, is based out here in San Francisco. So you got some, you got some serious, serious triathletes out here. I mean, we've got big mountains everywhere. You can walk out the door and it's sunny every day of the year. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Silicon Valley is different. By, yeah. It's different yeah. than, um, than when people think of San Francisco because you guys, you guys are inland a little bit more in, in the valley, yeah. literally, that makes the bay yeah. eventually. And then, um, yeah. and so when I was there a couple times, um, the sun heats up the valley, and then by the afternoon you get a strong breeze um, yep. uh, working against you out there. And then, um, yeah, it was really sunny, and yep. there's mountains all around. So anytime all you want to do some hill work, you got it. Oh. And um, I did the Morgan Valley Triathlon, which went way, or Morgan okay, Hill, yeah, yeah. Morgan Hill, and which went way yep, yep, up into Morgan the Hill, valley yep. until it pretty much, yep. it was like Texas up in there. It was like West Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everywhere I go, it was like freaking Texas. And yeah. um, then, uh, um, let's see, I've been up, um, when I did Alcatraz, I stayed inland. If you go well, across, actually, it was just today, actually. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. And and yeah, if, yeah. if you go, oh, what's the name of that town? Um, let me look it up. It was so beautiful. Um, well, are, you, are you talking about just over the bridge, so like Sausalito or like Tiburon? No, like up. Uh, hold on, let me, let me pull it up. And so that area is gorgeous. So I, I and and I, I I bounce between the whole Palo Alto Silicon Valley area and San Francisco, and so I've been doing some training up there and. You go over the Golden Gate Bridge, and you're in Sausalito, yeah. and um, there's um, Mount Tam and Mill Valley and all that area. And that is just, I mean, you're talking about picturesque like cycling. I mean, it, it is unbelievable yeah. over there. Well, and that's, okay. then you start going a little bit north of that, and you've got, um, um, what's it called, Napa Valley. And that actually has awesome, awesome cycling. Um, you get these nice rolling big hills and I mean, just gorgeous landscape and the weather is just, you know, unbeatable. So, yeah, I think, uh, my computer's decided that because we don't have Google fiber here, it's just going to take forever. Did, to get us there. Okay. Here did, we go. Did, did, did compete up <laughs> crashing for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't think, I doubt it. Maybe my it's mine and my computer it, yeah. for, for data yeah, about exactly. me. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It is working pretty hard. It's, it's, it's chugging away. I got, I can hear the fan, and you don't hear that on a Mac very often. Like it's going. Yeah. Um, no, I think it had cool. imagery on it. But um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, so Alcatraz was today. Did you follow it at all? Or? Yeah, a little bit. I actually, I had to get a run in today, so I wasn't able to check it out. Um, I actually went cycling with a couple of the Everman Jack guys um, yesterday. Um, yeah. And got some training, and I actually was up in Sausalito and. Did that whole kind of thing up there where there's just a ton of, ton of cyclists up there. So, uh, and I actually swam on Friday with a couple of guys that are, are doing the race. So I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to, to pop over there, um, but I've been sort of in and out of that area all day. And it's, it's a cool event. I, you know what? It's, I think it's way too expensive. Um, I would never, I, I'm not a guy that would go and do it 
it's mm-hmm. a weird race. In fact, I remember I was putting, we were putting the data in for the race. And I started thinking to myself, why does anybody want to do this race? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's two kilometers swimming in cold water uh-huh. in, the, in the bay, and it's got a massive current. If you don't hit it right, you can get stuck. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's a, the run is, I think is uh, 12K, and then the bike is, uh, I gotta remember, I don't have it up in front of me, but it's, it's an oblong one. It's not like a normal distance. Yeah. They get all these pros that come out. You have to be at the lottery system to get a ticket. Yeah. It costs 400 and something odd dollars. And, you know, listen, I'm not trashed into the race, but, you know, it's just not the right race for me. And um, I, it's amazing how many people come out just to, to go and say they, they, they swam from Apatraz and did a triathlon there. So Yeah, I um, did it just he, because he, I had the opportunity yeah. to do it. And, um, yeah. Oh, Danville. That's the name of the town. I've been up to Danville okay. and rode around okay. up there. So, cool. um, and I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, um, I qualified for it at a Texas race. They had a qualifier, oh, okay. and we drove, we dove off of a ferry at this Texas yeah, yeah, race, yeah. and um, yeah. which was a really good. It was almost exactly the same. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, and I, I was. It's always been a dream of mine to swim from Alcatraz to shore. Yeah, you know, or vice versa. It doesn't matter. And then um, yeah, yeah. So then that's why I did it. And then yeah. And once and that's, I that's a typical story. Yeah. 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 And then once I did the the swim part of Alcatraz, I was done. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> everything else from here, I, I did the rest yeah. of the race, but I'm just yeah. like, everything from here out is just gravy. Oh, the list checked, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. list is checked, man. Yeah. 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 People are like, what have, you, cool. what have you ever done that's cool? I'm like, I swam yeah. from Alcatraz. From Alcatraz, yeah. 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 That's yeah. cool. So, no, it's a cool race. And, and, and the whole experience, all the people I know have been out there, they, they love it. And it's mm-hmm. good, good community feel. And it's been around for, I think, 30 years or something. So Yeah, it is um, an oddball race for sure. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's not our stand, and it's, it's, I'm so amazed that the pros come out and, like, compete at it, because it's like, uh-huh. there's no barometer for it, you know, they go in the race, and I think they, I think the girl, I thought, I think I saw today, the girls came in around 2.30 or something like that, 2.37, I want to say, yeah, that's I'm amazing. like, how do you compare that to an Olympic distance, and, like, that doesn't, you know, it's like, so, yes. um, it's very yeah. vertical, too, it's one of the, it it's was, definitely one of the most challenging races I've ever done. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean the whole thing. I mean, again, I mean you look at a compete hub, you can see the the uh, hills both yeah. on the run and and the bike. And I've I've ridden through there before, and I've actually run at Christie Fields, and yeah, it's um it is yeah, hard. It's, oh, running on the it, beach it, in the deep yeah. sand on purpose. Yeah. they run you into I know. the sand. It's not fun, <laughs> and that's why it's not fun. Like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah I, I get why people do it, but it, it's not my not my cup of tea. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, cool, Mike. Thanks for being on the show. Cool. Maybe we can get you on again um, soon. Definitely. You got some new features and stuff you wanna you wanna um, let us know about, and uh, sure. we can talk about those. That'd be really really cool. I'm definitely into it. I'm loving it. Yeah, I uh, love when we get the app out. I'd love to to jump back on. Oh, okay, cool. Cause, yeah, because that 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 whole experience is going to be. It's not going to be different, but it's going to be sort of complementary to the existing experience. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'll, we'll be pretty excited about that. So I'd love to, I'd love to touch base back with you when, when, we, when we get that out. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. All right. Thank you, Mike. And, you know, it's a little bit of a sponsored interview. They, they advertise on Zentri, so I need to send you their way, which I think that interview pretty much did it. <laughs> if you're not checking out that website by now, you should be. And uh, another story is... The uh, I have a I have somebody that I coach, and um, we were looking for a race for him, 
in Toronto in November, October, October, November this year, and there's nothing. First place I looked was Compete Hub, nothing. And I was like, well, maybe Compete Hub's database isn't complete or something. And then we looked everywhere else. No, there's just nothing. And um, so, but the first place I stopped was Compete Hub and uh, found out, yeah, there was no races for this, for uh, Adam, Chame Dog. And uh, so we're going to have to find a marathon or something like that for him. So it's definitely a cool resource to go check out. So let's see. Let's go on with, um, I missed something in the news earlier when uh, Tawny and I hadn't talked for so long. We went on just a ramble about a lot of stuff. But uh, Chris McCormack uh, said he can't do, he was going to do the Norseman Triathlon, which is a nutso triathlon. And um, he was going to do it this year and make a big deal out of it. It's going to be really cool. And his brother is getting married like that same weekend or something. And so he said he can't make it. So he's going to put it off until next year, 2015, which is unfortunate. Uh, McCormick made a video um, and posted it about that. Okay, let's read off some donations to the show and the um, some questions. I love this part. Okay. Let's see, Paul Byrogel, I cannot say that last name, Paul B, uh, made a, a nice little donation, uh, Carrie Honing uh, supported this show, and what I'm doing here is, if you donate to Zentra, I got a bunch more to read, if you go on the left side of Zentrathlon.com, and you can search for old interviews, like it's all kinds of cool stuff, you can see my training log, how I train, links to sponsors, and all kinds of stuff like that, um, and get a Zentri t-shirt, which people love. And it's a cool-looking t-shirt. <clears throat> the t-shirt and the donation link to the podcast is on the left side of the page. You scroll down, uh, the t-shirt's towards the bottom of the left side, and then uh, just above that is the subscribe or donate buttons. And um, you can do a donation to the show two different ways. Uh, if you do subscribe, then that's three ninety-five a month. And it's uh, basically about a dollar a podcast, which is pretty cool. And then, um, and then it's just automatic, right? So you don't have to think about it again. But then you can go cancel it anytime you want. And then um, I'll, I'll get a, a donation every once in a while. I'm like, oh, I can now I can eat lunch. <laughs> I'm not going to starve to death today. And then uh, also, there's a one-time donation, and. Um, you can always send me an email at texafornia at gmail.com, and I know the donors by name pretty well, um, and I'll recognize your name, and uh, you can ask a question, and I'll answer it on the show. But with the uh, one-time donation, there's it just happens to be this one feature where it says, hey, you want to leave a comment, a comment to the person you're donating to, which is me, and uh, yeah, fill it in with your training question or your comment, and I'll read it on the show, man. Oh, and with the Hornet Juice that I was mentioning earlier... Um, if you get Hornet Juice to support the show, I send you a personal email um, saying, hey, I'm, I'm sending it right now. How are you doing? And that's your opportunity to, to reply back and like, um, uh, you know, ask me a question and all that kinds of stuff. So anyway, that's what goes on with the donations. Let me hop back over here to my list. Every time I get a donation, I get an email notification and then I throw it in my list here. And if there's a question or a comment, I read it just like this one right here from Bruce. Brett, how awesome is this? You're thanking me. Way cool. Yeah, I um, thank you, everybody. My life is is so much better. This is me. This is Brett talking um, from doing the podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, and um, it's made me a better person, a better athlete, and it's widened my reach and 
of my friends all around the world. And I, I can't imagine my life without the Zen Tri podcast. One time I mentioned to Emily that I was going, if I didn't have some kind of fundage to pay for bandwidth or something like that, I was going to have to stop recording or something like that. And she goes, you are not stopping recording. Like, this is the best thing you've ever done. <laughs> this is so cool. And uh, Emily likes my my side hobby, you know, instead of uh, being angry about it, like a, like a lot of us are uh, are about things. Okay, so oh, she just walked in and she's talking on the phone in the front door. Okay, so the email, you're going to hear her in the background. How awesome is this? You're thanking me. Way cool. Um, things are good in Ohio. Yeah, I asked him how things are in Ohio. He must have ordered some horny juice, I think. I recently found your podcast. Love them. Hold on, I'm going to close the door to the bedroom while I walk over here. That's me talking. And listen every morning while I'm working out and getting ready for the J-O-B, as I call it. I call mine W to the E-R-K. And so much info. Yep. And... Thank you for being real and sharing everything. Training family, random square moments. Square moments? What's that? Um, Very cool. I'm signed up for my first 70.3 in September, Augusta. So your training and race reports are the bomb, exclamation point. I'm sure, oh, if you send an email and I read it on the air and there's exclamation points in it, I I don't know, I have a habit of saying every exclamation point. So send them on and and put exclamation points in and watch what I do. I'm unsure of the diet thing due to stomach issues when running. Oh, man, yeah. I'll tell you what, once you figure out how to fuel and you're confident in it, oh, it's so relaxing. Um, I've just recently really settled in on like how many calories and a nice mix. And I talk about it on the training log in this podcast um, that we'll get to in a minute. Um, It's so nice, yeah. Um, I've been, this is back to Bruce, I've been using baby food. Uh, like the squeezable pouch kind. Yep. Uh, banana squash and some sweet potatoes and beets. Ever heard or tried it yourself? Um, question mark, question mark. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I myself haven't done the baby food, um, uh, on the bike or on the run technique, but I have, uh, almost done it. And I have looked at the, uh, ingredients ingredients and calorie counts stuff, you know, as if I was going to do it. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Okay. So what you got to look at is it's going to be fructose and fibery. And that can kind of be a little bit hard on your stomach. Like fructose can get kind of gassy for some people on their stomach. And then the fiber can be kind of hard to digest a little bit uh, while exercising. So you got to watch out for that. And then the other thing is the, um, the uh, overall calorie count isn't all that high. And hold on, I got a phone call, so I got to be right back. Hold on. All right, I'm back. Oh, man, I had to take that call. Okay, where did we leave off? It's been an hour since I left off. I got to find this again. And um, squeezable pouch, oh, baby food. Okay, so I remember one time my, uh, I was at my parents' house and I opened up the fridge and there's all these baby food jars. And I was like, what the hell is this? And uh, my mom goes, oh, I'm trying to um, eat more fruits and veggies and um, I'm trying to do it this way. She'd heard about some diet or something like that where um, it's easier to get in certain stuff because basically baby food is 
is blended up so it's really easy to digest, right? And um, so I, I'm not sure the whole reason, but anyway, she convinced me that it was totally cool. So I'm I am uh, I am aware that baby food is really uh, kind of healthy in a way, and um, and it's easier on the stomach than regular fruits and veggies, you know, because it's made for babies. And um, the thing is, is a as a packet one of those squeezable pouches of baby food seems to me to be overpriced and undercaloried for working out on a regular basis, and uh, maybe making it yourself in a uh, blender if you wanted to go through that. Uh, but then, yeah, then you got to get it into a packet. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm going out of my way to find a reason not to. Um, uh, I'm out on the bike. I need to eat like 300 calories plus around 300 calories per hour. And that's three, these things are like a hundred calories per packet or something like that. So we're talking three packets of baby food per hour. And, no, that's not, that's not going to work for me. I'm, I'm better off, um, making my own stuff. And, um, but maybe for some people while running, it's pretty good. Um, so you can, put stuff in a Ziploc freezer bag, a small one that's kind of that tough freezer bag, it's like the thicker Ziploc, and uh, cut off the corner and then squeeze it out. You can do stuff like that. Um, there's all kinds of different stuff. Uh, I heard recently that Dave Scott was big into doing his own you know, dates and bananas and things like that. And um, that's probably why he lost to Mark Allen. <laughs> And Mark Allen did all the processed crap because it is racing and, uh, you know, the race, race fuel, the, uh, totally fabricated fake stuff is your body absorbs it faster for better or for worse. So there's that. Um, but I'm on your side with trying to be more holistic and healthy and, um, getting more nutrition and vitamins. I, I just don't feel good eating like totally processed stuff. Like I feel guilty and also like I'm treating my body badly. So I try to go as natural as I can. Um, and then I've tried you can before and liked it. So I thought I would try the Hornet juice too. Yeah, I've tried you can, uh, the, the whole thing with you can is basically it's starch and then it's, um, it's heat tempered. So, um, that's what I think it is. Um, you can find this stuff, uh, U C A N N and it's really expensive. And, uh, basically it's cornstarch or whatever, you know, uh, malt, it's basically like maltodextrin and then, um, but they heat treat it and then heat treating it and then letting it cool back down makes it, um, difficult for your body to digest it as fast. So it slows it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, I think in this episode of the training log, I go in detail about my own training fuel. That's a mix of simple and complex carbs and other stuff that, you can make stuff slower, kind of like you can uh, on your own. Uh, so listen for that. Uh, thanks again for sending the email and keeping it real. Jackie. Oh, Bruce. So not Bruce, Jackie. And sometimes I get emails from people and the uh, email accounts, one name and then the signature's another. So, uh, Weston Tanner donated to the show. <laughs> Melissa Boudot. And um, I'm partway through the most recent episode. It improves my commute. And I heard you mention using UCAN. Oh, I knew I was talking about it for a reason. Somebody else mentioned it. You said you could barely tell it works because it works so much in the background. Could you elaborate in your use and experience with it? I'm considering trying it since I see so many runners in my sport. Blah, blah, blah. 
uh, marathons and having so much great success with it. Like Meb, the guy that won Boston. Yep. And ultra runner, OT qualifying, hopeful Larissa, Danis, and others. They talk about stable blood sugar, fat utilization, and getting lean. Currently, I use EFS liquid shot gel for long, hard runs. Otherwise, no sugar, just water, and always run in the morning, fasted, unless you count FRS chews and beat elite along before the long runs. I don't take fuel before runs as stomach won't handle it. Recent podcasts I heard and the coach to the U.S. Olympic uh, marathon team says, that's in your head, by the way. Um, You think your stomach can't handle it. And if your stomach can't handle it, on just a regular run, how are you going to take in calories when you need it on a longer run is his argument. And also, uh, Jesse Kropelnicki as well. Um, so learn to handle it. And there are benefits of fasted runs. Yes, there are benefits to fasted runs, but you don't want to do them all the time. You want to do it only occasionally is what Tamson Douglas just said on another podcast. And she knows her stuff, but wondering if I could benefit even more, at least some days from you can, yes, you can, um, get it. Performance, my main goal, get faster, stronger, go longer. Okay, here's the thing. If you do more than just the an occasional workout fasted, this is the current belief. An occasional workout fasted does teach your body, you know, hey, uh, metabolize body fat. But more than that, you're actually compromising your workouts because you're underfueling your body and you're eating up muscle and bone to fuel your body through a uh, tough event, uh, event as in quote unquote, an event, like an episode, uh, a, a training session. Okay. So, um, it's actually, you'll get stronger, faster, better if you actually fuel yourself correctly for most of them. And then in your daily diet, don't eat a bunch of crap. Okay. So, and then on occasion, uh, do a fasted one just to remind your body how to, how to, um, go, without much, much fuel, but more than that is not good for you. Okay. The, um, and God, who was it? The interview with the Olympic coach trying to undo the, um, that mindset with the, uh, marathon runners on the U S Olympic team. And he said, uh, if there was a gold medal for the team event, they would have won the gold medal in the marathon, uh, having fixed all these runners and fixing their nutrition. And, um, because when he first met them, they were all like, we don't, we, we work, get up in the morning and go run without eating anything. And he's like, that's terrible. Don't do that. And they're like, but we have to we'll get sick if I ate and run. And he's like, really? And so he made them eat and then ran and they were fine. In fact, I had better workouts. <laughs> okay. So back to the uh, thing about you can't, so all you can is it's carbs. Um, they just take longer to digest. Like I was saying, they've been treated, um, Kind of like there's glass and then there's safety glass, right? So um, regular glass, uh, you smash it and it breaks into really sharp shards that'll cut you up. And uh, safety glass has been treated with heat and pressure. And then when you, first it's harder to break. And then when it does break, it breaks up into pieces that don't have sharp edges. They have less surface area and they're um, they're, uh, more safe and take longer to cut you, okay? Uh, harder to cut you. So that's what basically you can starch is. It's a super starch in their whatever terminology they want to quote. And um, this, uh, this stuff is a little bit longer to digest. So in my own mix, I've started doing a mix of, of simple sugar and complex sugar 
and uh, complex carbs and, um, and a little bit of fiber in there. And that does the exact same thing. It slows it down as well, right? Okay, so because um, the problem is uh, you can is really, really expensive. And um, what if you need faster burning energy right this moment? Well, you don't have any because the stuff you're eating is so slow burn and you need to climb a hill or something like that and you almost bonk because um, you don't have any fast burn. So um, that's why EFS works so well because it's a mix of fast and slow burn. And, um, And then they also recommend only like 200 calories or something like that. Um, and also because it's so expensive, uh, the UCAN, um, I think you, the human tendency is to not use enough of it. And then you're under fueled during your workouts and, um, you end up in the long term uh, not doing, not training as well. So, um, uh, yeah, that's the thing about UCAN. <laughs> um, but if, Hey, if you're rich and you can just blow money on it, then, uh, then, you know, find out how much it takes for you to, to feel great during a workout and then use it. Okay. Um, and thanks for your donation. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonathan Woodman, uh, donated Ken Soderquist, long time, uh, donor to the show. Thank you. And, um, John Taylor, uh, big donation and a uh, big shoulder swim in 2015. Next episode, I've already started recording. I talk about that. Uh, my brother, has started swimming again, and he was swim team captain for Lake Forest College just north of Chicago, and um, I'm trying to get him to get in the swim, and I talk about that at length in the next episode, so we don't need to go into that here. And let's see, I clicked on Simon Wright, gave a nice donation, and Joe Rogalski. Oh, here, we got a nice letter from Joe. Um, Hey, Brett, love the podcast. I've been listening for a few months after I heard about you on Endurance Planet. Cool. Um, I actually have two questions, if that's okay. That's totally okay. I am a new triathlete last six months, started running last summer, okay, and I'm making great progress after being sedentary and overweight for years. Uh, Currently, I'm using Ben Greenfield's Triathlon Dominator Plan, but wondered about when is the right time to get a coach? Oh, this is a good question. Also, what is the best way to find one? I am planning on running my first 70.3 in September and recently ran a sub-145 half marathon and a 121 sprint try. And also, I've recently changed my swim stroke by dropping my head, but now I'm getting terrible stomach pains after my sets. Someone told me I'm swallowing air. What can I do about this? Oh, I've already emailed him back because I... the the swallowing air and stomach pain thing really um, struck my curiosity. And I went and Googled it and found out that, yeah, he's uh, swallowing air. And there was a, uh, what was the technique to fix it? I'll think, I'll remember it while I'm doing the rest of this part here. Um, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't letting out. What happens is um, with the swallowing air thing, if, if you swim and your stomach starts to hurt and you start getting sick to your stomach and you get really massive pain in your gut, um, they say you're not, letting, you're not exhaling enough. So uh, you only exhale out partially and then you take in more air 
you need to breathe. So the air that you wanted to exhale doesn't have anywhere to go. And so you end up swallowing it or something like that. Anyway, it goes into your stomach and then into your bowels and it hurts, right? And um, it's a real thing. And you got it, Joe. <laughs> but anyway, I emailed, I emailed him back about a week ago about this. And uh, I hope with all the information, there's a thread on Slow Twitch about it. Um, there's stuff online all about it. Um, so that's what it is. And, uh, and they got cures for it. So, um, and I sent that all to him. So got that. Okay. How do you find a coach? Okay. Um, the right time to get a coach is when you find that the, uh, downloadable plans, uh, kind of work and you, you have learned a little bit about how to train and how to train on a, on in, in structure, but um, the the thing that a coach is going to do for you is give you accountability and inspiration. So you need to find a coach that really you want to impress, right? And that you will listen to, and you think that they're pretty freaking awesome, right? If I was to get a coach, man, I would think um, of some athlete that I think is like really. For me, um, and it depends on what level you're at and what you want to do and what kind of gear you have, right? So you want, um, I, I, if I was to get a coach again, I would get Mike Ritchie from D3 Multisport um, because he's a level three coach. He knows the stuff just so, so well that um, his execution and his knowledge of all the exact stuff is spot on, but he's really expensive uh, because he's that good. Um, and then the uh, another coach, Jesse Kropelnicki, um from QT2 Systems, and uh, Matt Dixon from Purple Patch. Um, I recently inquired with Siri Lindley to see if she was coaching age groupers um, because... I'm at the point where, for in my situation, where I think that for my next breakthrough, I'm a good, I'm a really good age grouper, right? And so my next breakthrough is, man, I'm gonna have to really dig deep to find um, something, you know, to make me faster. And these are the, that's the level of coaches that uh, can get that, can squeeze that out of you. Um, and also, they're people that I'm really impressed with. So I will. I will do the workouts that they assign and not question it too much. And, um, and uh, that's a whole lot of it, right? Now, another thing is um, the, the coaches coach in different styles and they also require different equipment. So for a coach, a, a, a high-end coach is almost always going to require you to have a power meter, so they can see how hard you're working on the bike because heart rate doesn't tell the whole picture. And when um, you train and you upload your workouts to the industry standard, which is Training Peaks, you um, uh, you need a nice bike computer, so a, a Sunto Ambit or a Garmin, you know, and it uploads um, power meter that heart rate strap um, GPS, and um, they you upload your workouts and they look at them in detail. This is what I do. Look at them in detail. And then you, um, uh, they pick out things that, uh, you should be doing differently. And a lot of it has to do with your nutrition. So you need to be familiar with how to log your workouts. So the first thing I would do is go into training peaks 
and log workouts for a while. Uh, they have a free account and put in comments about how you train and what you ate and how you feel. And um, because a coach needs to see all that. And then um, now let's say that you're doing, uh, you're more of a beginner um, triathlete. Uh, let's say uh, Joe, right? Your, your example is um, you're a beginner triathlete. A power meter is not necessary. Um, you can find coaches that will coach you with just a heart rate um, strap. And um, I do that. I coach people um, with both. I pref- of course, I prefer a power meter. And I try to, once, I start, once I'm coaching somebody and they start getting serious and they want to start getting towards the 10-hour mark in an Ironman, I'm like, dude, we got to get a power meter on you. That's your best investment. And a lot of times they ask me, I'm going to spend either money on race wheels or a power meter. I'm like, power meter. And um, the, uh, but then I coach other people that are just doing, you know, sprints and Olympics and they're out there just to train and have fun and they don't want to think about stuff too much. And they're not as into all the, the, uh, they're not trying to milk every millisecond out of their, out of an Ironman. Um, then, then a power meter is not all that necessary. You can do more by feel and, um, and heart rate, which is nice. Okay. So that's your equipment. Um, but yeah, after a while, the downloadable plans, um, don't work anymore because there's no flexibility in them. And um, a coach, there's two different kinds of coaches. There's coaches that won't tell you what they're, why, they're, why they're arranging things the way they are. And then there's coaches that will tell you. I'm the type of coach that will tell you exactly why. I think the more people that we educate on how to train out there, uh, the better the, the sport is, and then more people will start doing it. And then that brings me more clients because the word of mouth is this guy will teach you how to train. You know, In a year, you know everything. I try to teach you everything that I know, and, um, and that's the most valuable thing. And then, um, but some people don't want to know that. Some people don't want to know why. They just want to do. And that, I always find that really interesting when I coach people and they're like that. You know, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, okay, you don't want to know why? And they're like, no, just tell me what to do. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they're busy, right? And uh, they, don't, they don't want to know all the why. Um, they're not as fascinated with the why as uh, some of us are. I think those of us that are fascinated by the why end up becoming coaches because it's so fascinating. It's so cool. Um, uh, coaches coach in person and there's also coaches that coach over the internet. So you live in a small town and you, there's no good triathlon coaches around you. You want to find one on the internet, right? Uh, th- then we go back to, um, the one on the internet. Um, what's their success rate? What are they, what's their style? Are they uh, vegan friendly? Are they, are they, um, really good at long distance? Are they good at coaching women or good at coaching men? Are they good at coaching kids? Um, I would, uh, I would try coach for a while. And if you're not happy, then move on, you know, um, try to find a coach that'll, uh, let you move on after a while. You know, things aren't working out and, uh, just go. Um, that's kind of hard to find actually though. A lot of coaches want a commitment and that's that, that's part of that whole pay up front for three months and they want $300 a month. And, um, that's part of that whole mind trick on you to get you committed to doing this. You're paying a crap load of money and now you're, uh, now you're in. And so you got to do what they say or else, 
you've thrown a whole lot of money out the window. And then by the time three months is over, now you got it. You know why they're coaching you the way you are, and now you're really in, and you're doing it. And you're start now. You're starting to see results. And um, if you didn't pay so much money up front, you would have bailed, and then um, never no, hadn't hung around long enough to see the results that would have come. So, um, yeah, Joe, uh, send me another email uh, with your um, like your three coaches that you're looking at, and I'll help you pick one. How about that? Do that, dude. That's part of that's part of your luxury of being a donor to the show. I'll help you pick a coach. Um, let's see. Oh, and our last donor is Per Tornholt. <laughs> What's up, dude? Um, oh, Per is the one that, that that swim in Sweden, man. He sent us the. Uh, he's trying to get me in that swim, dude. I'm so into that. I love the idea of doing that. Um, if Tawny can't make it, maybe I could get my brother to freaking do it. Um, oh, my brother's got to be a terrible runner right now. That'd be hilarious. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's move on to the training log. Let's see if I missed any um, show sponsors. Uh, Sunto is a huge sponsor sponsor of Zen and Yard of Triathlon. Um, the Ambit 2, I just answered a tweet. Um, somebody said, should I get the Ambit 2 or get the uh, Garmin 310? Let me tell you something, man. The Ambit 2, and there's a 2R and a 2S, whatever. You can compare all these online. You know, One of them has like a longer battery life, shorter battery life, one of them slimmer, but they're basically pretty much all the same watch. The Ambit, Sunto's Ambit 2 is the freaking most beautiful triathlon training watch out there. It's incredible. I love it. It's a little bit on the expensive side, but it is way more than a GPS watch. It is a watch that look, makes you look kick ass at the office all day long at work. I mean, the thing is gorgeous. I, I hardly ever, ever take mine off. I just freaking love it. And it is built like freaking bulletproof, man. Um, the thing is not going to break. It's, it's incredible. Uh, so we have that. And um, Amrita. Uh, just got some Amrita bars in the mail, and oh, the chocolate maca is so freaking good, man. Love that. Um, you can get oh, they're they're a uh, date and they're uh, they're basic. They're like date based bars um, that are organic and healthy and and uh, really 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 good uh, workout fuel and recovery fuel. And um, there's no nuts in them. There's seeds, but no nuts. So. Um, I have a friend that is a pro ITU racing triathlete, and he has a nut allergy, and he's sponsored by Amrita and loves it. Um, so if you have a nut allergy, it's a really good solution. And kids love him. Kai loves it. Uh, recently took a picture of him you know, hauling ass up, up the hill on a bicycle with an Amrita bottle and, um, and his triathlon kit. And uh, Amrita also makes a killer triathlon kit. You got to go check it out. Um, 15% off Amrita, A-M-R-I-T-A. If you go to amritahealthfoods.com, again, that's amritahealthfoods.com. And uh, discount code is ZEN. 15% off, man. That's huge. And um, I got three boxes, pineapple chia, the chocolate, apple, cinnamon. I think I may have got another box too. And uh, we just put it in our pantry. And when you're looking for a healthy snack, you want a little bit of pick-me-up, man, it's so good. Okay. 
Is that it? I think that's it. Okay. Let's go on to the training log. Nice long training log. Um, lots of info in here. Just random uh, training tips. Uh, I think I recorded more on the bike and more on the run this time around. So lots of cool stuff in here. I shouldn't delay any longer. Let's go ahead and get started with that. And after the training log, I will see you next episode. Out. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! No! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. Alright, training log. Monday morning, June 9th. <laughs> Just half an hour ago, I quit recording on the last one and I'm starting up a new one because I just thought of something that's pretty important I wanted to mention. Um, uh, I'll start off with, uh, I coach John Newman, who's just a fantastic, uh, triathlete, just really getting going with, uh, his abilities and, and kicking ass and everything that he's doing. Like every race that he enters, he like podiums and, <laughs> and it's such, it's so cool to coach somebody that, that, um, uh, was I don't, just like so freaking good, man. And, and, uh, his results are just awesome. And he, and he listens to the way I coach him and, and, uh, you know, he just turns around and, and just beats the crap out of, out of the, out of the field, you know? And, um, it's so inspiring, you know, to coach somebody that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, so talented. And, um, but anyway, he said, uh, He's got, um, what is it? His next race, he wants to race um, without a without a uh, bike computer. And um, my reaction to that was, oh, I looked at you know the race is a is a long race, and, and I'm like, oh, okay. So this is what this is. Um, my advice on that, uh, I wrote him an email, and then uh, and I wanted to share with everybody. Um, why this is important to know. And also, um, I had a training day yesterday where this came into effect. Uh, so we can, this is a, a well-rounded uh, reasoning and approach to this kind of stuff. Okay, yes, on short stuff, sprints and, well, a race that seems short to you, right? Everything's relative. And if a race seems short to you, then yeah, you could totally go without a bike computer. Now, if a race seems long to you, um, so for most of us, we're talking at least a half Ironman and definitely a full Ironman. Um, you want to race with a bike computer on, um, uh, and I, because what you want to do is check the, um, numbers on occasion because the numbers will start telling you something, uh, is wrong or that you're on track wrong or right, but usually wrong. Um, before it gets out of control and gets where it's going to take a huge time penalty to recover from it, right? Okay, so you're like, uh, you can tell by, by checking your bike computer that your heart rate is dropping even though you're trying just as hard. Well, that means that you're probably under fueling, okay? Also, um, that means you're running out of gas. You're trying just as hard, but you're running out of gas. Um, if you got a bike if you got a watt meter, 
a power meter, your power is down and your heart rate's down, that's definitely you're running out of gas. Now, why are you running out of gas, right? So you can correct course before um, things get too too out of control and you really run out of gas and then you really blow up. So you can you can notice in two minutes, three minutes, five minutes or so that things are, are starting to come undone and then take, take in more fuel, right? Or more water and then uh, be all right. Now, um, heart rate starts going up um, at the same effort level and that means you're getting dehydrated, right? Now, there's all kinds of things that if you train with, with power and heart rate um, long enough, you'll start noticing these things and you'll start... Um, because you'll be able to compare them more like, oh, you know, like usually when this happens, th- that means things are going to, are, are uh, in my training ride, the numbers should look like this, you know. Okay, now, and that's a, that's an hour long dissertation on how to use power and heart rate, stuff like that, where you, um, you learn this stuff. Okay, now, the, the problem is, um, if you constantly sit there and look at numbers, your output, uh, well, one, your, your racing becomes no longer fun and um, it becomes too scripted and you're taking the joy out of racing, okay? Now, if a race is short, you ought to race for the joy of racing. The race is just racing, right? Now, if you're racing long, um, crossing the finish line with a good time is so joyful that it's worth it to stay on top of your numbers, okay? Um, To get halfway through a race and then blow up and then it sucks from there on out, you're kind of like, ah, crap, you know? And all that time and money that you sank into a longer race uh, goes out, uh, goes into the trash and that's, that's sad, you know? Okay, so for the joy of racing, you... Um, stay on top of your numbers for the long ride, for the long, for the long stuff. Now, um, so how do you how do you do that? How do you get the joy of racing in a long race? Where because staying on top of numbers gets to be boring, and it's and it feels like it's just mechanical Turk, you know. So the way you do it is this, and I did this on yesterday's uh, training ride. Is you you ride by feel and to feel good and feel happy. And then that's the, that's what you check in with most of the time. And then on occasion, check in on the numbers, but don't live by them. Okay. So every few minutes you look at your numbers, which is fine. You have them up in front of you, but you purposely don't look at them too much. Um, and you'll, you'll, um, you'll be fine. And, um, on yesterday's training ride, I noticed that this was happening because I um, it was a three-hour ride, like sixty-something miles, and um, when towards the end of the ride, I realized that I had only looked at my heart rate um, and power numbers only the tiniest amount, very rarely. And I was like, well, that's unusual. Usually I live by those, you know, but this time I, um, I didn't. And I had just a fantastic ride. Um, emotionally, it was very, very nice. And, um, 
and what I was doing to get this way was I uh, said, um, the way you're going to do fueling and pacing is uh, you're not going to eat on a schedule. You're just going to eat and fuel as needed. And if you start to get a little bit hungry, then take in a little bit of fuel. And if uh, you start to get a little bit winded, then back off and just go like that, right? And so by um, paying attention to that feel, um, when I did look at my, uh, and, oh, and, and drink a little bit, it gets hot, so drink a little bit more water than you think you need. Um, keep an eye on your fuel. Uh, make sure you don't eat too much of it because I have a problem with going my fuel too fast, going through my fuel too fast. And um, then when I did look down at my bike numbers, they were really, really good. You know, and I'm, and the whole point is you got to learn how to train and race by feel, um, because it's your feelings that dictate your overall, you know, ability. Um, if you feel great, you're going to race great. And, um, it was a really interesting ride where I was able to look down at those numbers on occasion. I didn't feel the need to look at them because why would I look at them? Because I felt great, but I felt great because I was, um, uh, fueling and drinking and pacing by feel and um, and using that as my first indicator and then um, and that's that gives me what I get you know and then every time I check the um, my numbers my heart rate was around 130 you know which is good for me that's that's right where I need to be that's both um, not too hard and, and not not too easy and that means that my fueling's working well and then my uh, power, was consistently in the in the low 200s and um and I was like oh nice you know that's like really really good but I wasn't actually like living by my bike computer um to see what the numbers are um I was more interested in what time of day it was so that I knew when to put on sunscreen <laughs> than anything else I mean it was really cool so um that's my tip uh for y'all this morning on um living by the bike computer, definitely you want to live by it in a way in a long race, but go by feel first. So anyway, I got to go into W to the ERK out. All right. I'm on my way to the pool. It's an unusual way to record. Usually I'm coming, leaving the pool and, uh, I got a couple of little things for you. Um, one is I made a water bottle with matcha in it. I ordered matcha. I spelled it wrong on the last episode. It's instead of M-A-C-H-A, it's M-A-T-C-H-A, and it's powdered green tea. It's a little expensive, and I'm not sure, well, I know why, because it's rare. Anyway, you can't even find it in most grocery stores, even though they have a huge tea aisle, so it's powdered green tea. Um, so I'm drinking that this morning. I got it ordered it by Amazon. I finally stepped up to Amazon Prime last night. I, I figured, you know what, I do live in a smaller town, so it's hard to find the stuff that I want, so it's worth paying the extra Prime uh, fee so that I uh, don't have to pay shipping because I, man, <laughs> the, the things we don't have are all on Amazon, so I can get those and get them delivered. There's a guy running down the side of the freeway, well, feeder road. Good for you, dude. And then, uh, um, yeah, it just tastes like green tea a little bit. Well, it tastes totally like green tea. It's one teaspoon of matcha is equivalent to like a strong cup of green tea. 
So I've got that, and then I squeeze just the tiniest bit of honey in the um, in the tea, the water bottle. And I filled up the water bottle like uh, it's a smaller cycling water bottle, a classic looking one, and it's uh, about two thirds full. And I'm sipping on that. Uh, I had raisin bran for breakfast on the way. Uh, well, before I left, and then um, but with whole fat milk for the fat, fat vitamins, fat doesn't make you fat. <laughs> Anyway, I did gain a couple pounds in just one day because of, uh, um, well, I don't know, you know, that's hard to do, but water weight, but, um, uh, eating, you know, cookies and, and, uh, too big of a burrito yesterday, shit, uh, stuff like that, and, uh, yeah, not fat, it was grains, grains, carbs, make you fat, anyway, um, then what was the thing? Oh, so I continued on my uh, investigation of what what's bad for your teeth, and this time uh, I decided I was drinking carbonated water, and I'm like, I wonder if carbonated water is bad for your teeth. Look it up. Yeah, it's bad for your teeth, and I posted that on Twitter, and people were so mad. <laughs> One guy pointed out that actually. Um, uh, one of the studies show that it's not bad for your teeth. So I need to look into that a little bit more, but, um, so go, go research it yourself and find out. Cause it seems to be hard to determine. I'm going to Google it some more and see if I can figure it out. Um, but the carbonation, uh, carbon dioxide that you, uh, squeeze into the water to make it carbonated turns it into, um, turns into carbonic acid, I think. And that's what gives some of its bite and what it combines with the water and then um, it turns the water acidic so that's bad for your teeth possibly so I'll look at where if it is bad for your teeth that's why and they did the study where they dropped teeth into different glasses of different stuff and uh, watched what happened and uh, the carbonic acid one the, uh, the carbonated water ate it up more than regular water I guess I don't know. I need to look into that. But anyway, um, watched a really good video, a seminar on um, polarized training yesterday. That was pretty cool. I think that's about it. I'm about to hit the pool. And um, I got a guy just sitting in my blind spot. God, that's so annoying. You go around. You know not to do that. All the places, there's like no one on the freeway at all the places in the world. He decides to sit in my blind spot. I'm going to hit my brakes and you go around really annoying anyway um, it's distracting oh dude illegal u-turn you can't be doing that um, there was something else oh well I can't remember what it is so it must not be worth it I'll be back out bang alright I'm out on the bike hope there's not much wind noise Riding along the access road on Highway 6. Doing intervals. Got an easy spot between intervals. I guess I'll I'll come to you between. Oh, I'm not dying. I'm on my road bike. I lent my race wheels to a friend. <laughs> and he flatted the rear. I just knew it, man. He lent something. He's like, I'll buy you a new tube. But it's like... <laughs> or uh, the new tire. It's like tire. The tube was $18. It's latex tube and it had sealant in it. Oh god. But that could have happened to me. You know? 
So, and I was starting to not enjoy the tire anyway. It was a 25. I want to go back to a 23. So, in the end, you can rationalize anything. It's cool. Let's see. Oh. We got about a minute before I got to do another interval. <clears throat> I'm trying brown rice flour in my water bottle. I'll probably talk about it some more. Mixed with the fast stuff. Honey and uh, what is the other thing? What do I have? Honey and and maltodextrin and brown rice flour. I should have put a little salt in there. I forgot to slow down the sugar absorption a little bit, so you don't so so you don't get some spiky. All right, I got to do another interval. Eight minutes at ninety percent out. All right, that was interval number two. Wait, hold on, I need to shift gears. I need to switch hands. Hold on. Put the recorder in the left hand, then you can use your rear brake and shift. Oh, here comes a car. Wow, a car. That's weird. Way out on a country road. <laughs> Two minutes into my interval, a huge armadillo runs out in the road. And he kind of runs out in the road and then goes, oh, crap. <laughs> he was big. He's like a a shoebox for a pair of boots is what he looked like. Like he's big. And they have long claws. They dig. So he starts running across the road trying to get out of my way because I'm doing probably 25, 30 miles an hour. And I yell at him. But encouragement. I go, go, dude, go. Because he's moving. And uh, I started laughing hysterically because it's so funny. So cute. And uh, except armadillos carry leprosy, random fact. So don't mess with an armadillo. But he reminded me of a fat guy in bike shoes, you know? Like, he's trying to scramble, and his feet are just slipping on the asphalt. It's chip seal, so it's real scratchy. You hear him go, scratch, 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 trying to get away. So if you're doing intervals, you want to um, noodle around between intervals. Just go easy. So on my bike computer, I hit the lap button, and then I show current lap. And I do that for the interval and also the rest period in between intervals. So I can do whatever I, my interval I want it to be, eight minutes. And then, yeah, like, so right now I'm three, 247, 248, into my rest period between intervals. I'm trying four minutes. I think it's not enough. <laughs> and then I might do five or go easier. So yesterday I was doing intervals in the pool. And after I do an eight-minute or so interval, I walk a 50. Or if your pool's deep, elementary backstroke, backstroke. There was something else <sighs> about fuel. Oh well. Oh, 90% effort. So you're like, well, 90% of effort of what? Max heart rate? Max, you know, watts? What are you doing? No, you know what's easier? 90% of whatever you got, right? So you hold back just a little bit. And then towards the end of the interval, as you're getting tired, you just do, you hold back just a little bit from that, right? It adjusts. 
Or if you get stronger, you do 90% of that. Right? You hold back just that little bit. And that keeps you from getting injured or getting too exhausted. It's perfect. You get on your last interval set. It's like 90%. And you're like totally tired. Well, you give 90% of what you got. Right? Don't worry too much about it. Works out nice. All right, I got an interval coming up. Let's see if I can ride. No hands turn this off. Out, bing. All right. That was interval number three. I only got one more left of eight minutes. Man, it's starting to catch up with me. Holy crap. Feels so good, though. And then as you get to the end, you're like, oh, I'm dying. It's like, well, just give 90% of what you can. Right? You can always give 90%. You know, just hold back just the tiniest bit. Oh, that feels good. Now I got to do some intersection jujitsu up here. Make sure I don't get uh, swiped. Man, after that last one, <laughs> after interval number three, I had to. I had to coast. It's really starting to catch up. Oh, that's nice. Hi. Beautiful morning. It's probably 70 degrees, 75 degrees, clear skies, no wind. We'll be back. All right. <laughs> Man, I'm pooped. Four intervals, eight minutes, so 32 minutes of hard work at 90% effort. Four minutes rest in between. Very, very productive. And the 90% of whatever you got is far better. That's the first time I've done that. Far, far better than doing 90% of a certain watts or of a certain heart rate. Uh, Because as you fade or as you get stronger, or when you start out, you start going hard, don't go too hard. Let's go 90% of what you can do. It, it gives it a last gives it elasticity. So you can get the most out of your body. Now, you wait like three days before you do it again. At least. stuff good stuff man I feel great wow what a way to start the day all right I gotta get my crap together to get the whistle work out all right I'm done back at the house a little comment on the brown rice flour uh, <coughs> it's got a little bit of fiber in it so that's actually part of what slows it down but anyway, you have to shake up the bottle to get it to uh, to get it to mix every time. But the EFS had the same thing. Mm. Out of my Amrita bottle, I need an Amrita bar. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I'm gonna have a scrambled egg and go to work. Out, bang. All right, I'm back. I'm actually uh, at my house. 
I don't know why my voice sounds like this. I'm at my house, uh, chilling by myself. I thought I'd relax for a minute and meditate of sorts. God, I gotta come up with a better word for this. Clear my mind. Clear my mind a little bit and uh, refocus. And um, I don't. The word meditate so loaded. Uh, oh man, there were some cool podcasts um, about that I listened to that were about how meditation actually wasn't very popular at all in Buddhism and Zen until the British and I think it was the British and maybe in uh, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand or something like that uh, were um, were fighting and uh, religion they outlawed religion or something like that I don't know but then um, the uh, the resident uh, Buddhists found a loophole and this is just like 70, 80 years ago or something like that, found a uh, loophole and said, oh, well, there's this one thing that's mentioned in the, um, in the footnotes that Buddha talked about as uh, some meditation kind of here and there. And then, um, so let's start doing that because that's not really like outwardly religious looking. We're just sitting, right? And um, so they started doing that. I, I probably have the story all wrong, but but it's very real, whatever this is, but I think I have the details wrong. But uh, the, uh, and then from then on, the perception of what is um, Buddhism and Zen and all this stuff is just tons and tons of meditation, when actually that was, that's such a new, um, a new method that was rarely practiced until recently. And um, isn't that crazy? Pretty weird. It like got huge and caught on, and now everybody thinks that that's the defining um, part of Buddhism when it when it isn't at all. Um, according to this one um, expert who I listened to a podcast on. So anyway, but I was thinking about how um, I've mentioned on many shows, especially recently, that uh, we overtrain, and um, and then if you take a break, you come back uh, way better than before, and over and over and over again. Um, there's examples of athletes having to be forced to take a break due to injury or illness or having a baby or something like that. And they, um, not that that's a break really, but then they come back and then win everything, right? Because they know how to train. They've been training really hard. They just needed a break. And then now they can absorb all that training and really kick ass. And I was reading an article, uh, today about Kelly Williamson. And she won Ironman Texas this year, and um, she has never won an Ironman before. She's, I think she's in her mid to late 30s, and she had to take off. She lives in Austin. She had to take off um, nearly a year probably um, due to uh, leg surgery, and she fell down and had an injury from that. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, so you're talking many, many, many months of, uh, devastating quote unquote losses or damage or injuries or sickness, um, that you would think would ruin your training, uh, your chances of winning. And then lo and behold, she comes back and wins Ironman Texas. And, um, just another example what I'm trying to do here is promote the idea that we, uh, we need to rest more than what you think, um, that we get sucked into overtraining and, um, because you get in the habit and it gets a little bit addictive and then you get into a rut 
where you stop improving and then it gets worse. So sometimes it's good to take a break a little bit. You might actually get faster for it. Depends on the person. All right. Um, I'm planning out my run here with Kona. Hey, Kona. Dude. We running? You want to go run? Yeah. <laughs> he hopped up. Yeah, okay. Let me, um, let me clear my mind a little bit here and focus and uh, see what I got going on in my, in my mind. And then I will come back. All right, Alpine. All right. Leaving the pool. Thursday morning, nice little swim. Oh, 3,000 meters. Four intervals of eight minutes. I was going to do four minutes rest. I don't like four minutes rest. I like five minutes rest. Maybe four minutes rest is for young people. Five minutes rest is for us elderlies. <laughs> Just put my stuff up in the roof rack box above the Xterra. Let me make sure it's closed. Yeah, it's close. <clears throat> Went for a really easy jog last night. And then Kona, our dog, had a seizure, which was fun. Because Emily and I were yelling at each other over her running on the treadmill from room to room. I think it freaked out the dog. He has a seizure about once every month and a half. Um, this one wasn't all that great. It was kind of more... Um, Anyway, uh, pause, pause, pause. <laughs> Listening to an audiobook. Um, the obstacle is the, the obstacle is the way, or the obstacle is the path. I can't remember. Um, but I've been, I've mentioned it before. I really like it. <clears throat> Lots of very famous people throughout history analyzed and quoted, and about how hardship actually um, makes you better. And not necessarily hardship, but the thing you want to do least is probably the thing you need to do the most, that kind of thing. And uh, I'm on this one part where he mentions uh, that this one specifically covers death. And uh, death can happen at any time. So live, live your life <clears throat> always aware of that. You know, Don't uh, put off things too long because they're, you know, don't earn so much money that you can't spend it, that kind of stuff. Or if you do earn it, spend it. <laughs> or do have a plan for it, something. Um, oh, I got the hiccups all of a sudden. Oh, I got some tea. Well, I'm going to try not to slurp into the microphone. Okay. So, a, um, a cool thing that was uh, mentioned was the uh, a Roman saying... I think it's Roman, uh, but it's Latin. Memento mori. Memento means remember, and mori means you are mortal. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm listening to this audiobook while I'm putting on a shirt that has a, a skull on it. Um, it's just a you know a t-shirt from wherever. Uh, it's got Thunderhill Motorcycle Club on it with a skull with uh, wings, which I, I love skulls with wings, and then uh, crossed wrenches underneath. So, um, but we have this thing in culture, the whole thing with skulls is to remind you of death, you know, so don't, uh, don't think that you're immune, um, to dying, that, that death is real. It's kind of neat that we do that, uh, kind of subconsciously, um, just as a reminder, you know, um, 
And then <laughs> another thing that the, he said, the author, it's an audiobook, was saying that was kind of spooky was um, as much as you think you are worth, how much do you think you're worth? You know? And, uh, you know, you think you're great and basically worth a lot and uh, have lots of value and are kind of indestructible, you know, beyond death. Now, remember that no matter how much you're worth or who you think you are, there's always somebody out there that'll kill you for a hundred dollars. <laughs> I think he said a thousand and I was sitting there thinking, no, probably a hundred, you know, just for your wallet, just pop you over the head, shoot you, whatever, stab you, take your wallet, your shoes, whatever you got, you know, they're desperate, you know, they don't value your life so much. <clears throat> a tiger will eat you not for a hundred dollars, but for, for lunch, you know, Anyway, so that is that. I'm going to go back to uh, listening to my audiobook. Oh, the um, the 4x8. I'm working on two books of my own right now. And um, one of them is uh, covering training. And, um, and not training by numbers too much is one of the topics. And there's this thing where... Uh, we get focused on numbers, you know, run so many miles, so many, uh, swim so many yards or whatever. When, uh, for example, studies show that um, the most impactful interval training is eight minutes long. Well, you just look at your watch, you know, intervals that are eight minutes long. Swim eight minutes, you know, is that 500 yards? Is it 1,000 yards? Is it uh, 650, you know? Um, the yards, the pool doesn't care. The, the length of the pool does not give a crap about you and your body and how far you swam. Actually, time is a, and intensity is far, far better. So when I write workouts for swimmers, I tend to do, you know, warm up 10 minutes, then swim five minutes hard, uh, four minutes easy, 10 minutes hard, three minutes easy, you know, stuff like that. And I make sure it adds up to about, um, well, I got to pass somebody. I make sure it adds up to about, let's say I want them to swim for about an hour and it's about an hour workout. And then, uh, everybody that workout works for everybody. You know, if you're faster then it's more yards, if you're slower, it's fewer yards. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> so look forward to that book coming out. I've actually been working on that one pretty hard and, uh, Tony and I need to catch up with our surfing book. <laughs> All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, I think I'm in the right place. Am I in the right place? Uh, leaving in the morning. Man, I had a bike ride this morning that was a bird in the But it was hard work. I woke up late. But I'm like, man, I can make this freaking happen, dudes. <laughs> and I did. I managed to wake up at 5.30... And then get on 5.32, actually, and still eat a bowl of cereal, make a cup of coffee, and get on my bike and be biking, wheels moving, at 5.58 or 5.59. So in way less than half an hour, I had I was ready to go. And the way I did it was last night when I finished my bike ride, I left everything exactly as it is. 
so that I could just hop on and go without it being a big deal. Um, helmet, gloves, heart rate strap, uh, kit. I wear my cycling kit two days in a row, usually, because you wear it once and then wash it. Hey, man, you're wearing your crap out, you know, and it's already dirty and you're going to get dirty again. So just wear it twice. But you need to air dry it. And uh, so hang it up. I usually use your bike like a clothing rack and let the stuff air dry on that. But anyway, um, my uh, I've got a Blackburn something, you know, handlebar, handlebar mounted light that you USB charge. And man, a lot of times it doesn't charge and it just conks out. So that was interesting. Uh, last night stopped on a bike ride and took a picture of an armadillo, posted that on Twitter. He was right out in front of me. And uh, they're so well armored. They're not in any great hurry to um, get out of your way if they don't feel like you're going to hurt them. So um, they got a little bit of that rabbit in the headlights kind of freezing. Saw an owl this morning. Um uh, and I'm out there. I'm out there riding, going, man. I wish I could do this every freaking day or every other day. You know, when I want to go ride, and it never be cold, and uh, just do this every time, um, and it always be enough daylight. I mean, it's daylight at uh, at six, and then I'm like, man, this sucks having to go indoors in the winter and not be able to do this. This is awesome, man. So, but I mean, that's just life, you know. And um, I'm working on something that's kind of fun. Oh, um, matcha, which I've talked about before, green tea powder that you can't find in any grocery store, apparently. You have to order it online. Um, honestly, all you need is food grade. You don't need ceremonial grade. And, um, and then uh, a tablespoon of it in your water bottle is like a serving of green tea. And it's nice, man. It's really, really nice. I like it. And I did that in some Hornet juice, which you can get on the right-hand side of the webpage. <laughs> Zentrathlon.com. Get some Hornet juice. Filled an order yesterday from somebody. And, oh, we got a little traffic situation up here. I'm going to go around. And I'm trying to think what else that we got done. Oh, man, the, um, oh, fiber. Let's cover that. Um, a lot of what we're missing in our diet that uh, makes us healthy is the stuff that slows the food down. You don't have to go low carb. You just need to go slow carb, man. A lot of our food's so processed that you digest it too fast and then it spikes your blood sugar. Um, you can buy uh, uh, fiber, which is really corn husk kind of stuff, and it's ground up. And uh, take a pinch of that every once in a while, uh, several times a day and uh, throw it in some water. I'm drinking some right now. I got a ice water in my lap that um, I'm drinking on to, to cool down from my bike ride as I'm driving to work this morning. I can taste the tiny little bits of fiber coming through. And um, that puts fiber back into your diet. So you can mix it with your coffee, you can mix it with everything. All you got to do is just stir it every once in a while so it doesn't clump up. There's some kind of fiber that doesn't clump up as much. I don't, I don't know that much about that. But anyway, the... Um, and it, uh, it's yeah, it slows down everything and fills you up a little bit more. It might, it might be the trick that you need to um, 
to uh, lean out a little bit, maybe. You know? They say we don't get enough fiber. And there's your fiber. It's easy to do. I keep a Ziploc bag of it at work. Take a pinch out, out of it every once in a while. Drop it in whatever I'm drinking. And uh, it works pretty good. And then um, I wrapped up The Obstacle is the Way last night. And on the audiobook version of it, uh, there's a long interview. It's well over half an hour, I think. Let me uh, stir up my fiber water. <laughs> In some countries, they add fiber to, um, like just what I'm doing, to uh, Cokes and then, um, you know, to sodas. And it's supposed to um, be a sales gimmick, you know, that uh, it puts a little bit of fiber in your diet and makes you, helps you lose weight even better. And that's actually useful. And then here in America, we don't do that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, this interview with um, the author was done by Tim Ferriss, uh, the four-hour workweek guy, and um, tagged on to the end of that. And its part, it's uh, as good as the book. And man, it's really good. The um, this author of the book it was 26 years old, <laughs> and um, he's already the director of marketing for something. And he dropped out of college. He's one of these guys that you know, Steve Jobs dropped out of college, Bill Gates dropped out of college. This is one of those guys that's like figured out that he already knew how to do what he needed to do to want what he wanted to wanted to do. So you don't need to go to college for it, and he's and he's um, like super super successful, and uh, and well well read, well written, uh, just all together got his crap together, and uh, the interview is just really cool, and has lots of uh, productivity tips in there, and uh, something I got out of it that was really cool is philosophy. Um, especially Stoicism, which was the Greeks and the uh, Romans, uh, one of their celebrated philosophies, um, which was actually crushed by Christianity um, because the church, the, Christ, the uh, Christian church or Catholicism or whatever, got so um, powerful that they're like, well, you don't celebrate uh, God or, or, uh, or uh, Jesus in this in this branch of philosophy, so we got to outlaw it, right? So you could actually like maybe go to prison or something like that, but um, if you don't, if you believed in it or something. But anyway, Stoicism uh, and philosophy is meant to be practiced, and that um, he said that uh, Stoicism isn't taught in. Um, in college and maybe high school so much uh, because there isn't much left to be it's so plain because it's for working it's for it's for using um, it's so plain that there's not much uh, middle ground for professors to leave you know to do assignments and things like that to like what do you think he meant by this you know how they do that Write a write a five page paper on what he implied by this. And, you know, it's kind of like read between the lines. Well, there's no lines to read between. The stuff is just straight. You know, like this is what it is. And um, it's actually it's so zen. It's unbelievable because um, zen is the same way. 
is uh, Zen is so much the same way that actually, uh, I guess this is your Zen moment. Um, they go to the point of saying that even talking about Zen is not Zen because now you're talking about it instead of doing it. And as soon as you start describing something, you're, it's no longer what it is. You know, now it's the words that describe it. Like, uh, you got a frog and, uh, now tell me about that frog. You're like, well, the frog is green and it's, um, no, the frog is frog. <laughs> That's the frog. Here's a frog. It, put it in your face. Frog. This is it. A anything else besides frog is you have to get away from the frog, step away from it to describe it, right? You have to step away from it to look at it. And then you're no longer it. And that's a big thing in Zen, is don't talk about Zen, do Zen. <sighs> anyway, so I'm at uh, W to the ERK, um, almost. Uh, training style is right now is severely polarized. Um, my bike rides and my runs have been really, really, really easy so that I can do intervals really strong. And I'm enjoying it. And uh, boy, when you really, really slow down, you, um, you can tell... Um, that this is a good training tip right here. You can tell that you're uh, fat burning. Um, I don't think I mentioned this earlier. There was a uh, study where they analyzed people from um, all different abilities and put them on a treadmill or on a bike or something like that on bikes, and uh, said go at your uh, comfortable pace. You know, like work, but you know, comfortable where you can just kind of cruise. The, uh, they, the paces were all over the place, cadences, everything, all over the place, because these are all different people of all different abilities. But there was one correlating factor that they were all doing, and because uh, they uh, were blood testing them along the way. And um, the one correlating, correlating factor was that they were at the top end of their fat burning zone, that they were burning predominantly fat, all of them, and none of them were in the in, uh, predominantly carb burning and they said what they think is going on is the brain sig sends signals that as long as it's in the fat burning zone, that uh, everything's cool. We can do this all day. And if you're um, if you go into the carb burning zone, it's uh, it sends uh, an alert to you that this is a limited um, endeavor, and don't do this for very long, right? So then you slow down because the lab instructor said we want you to be able to go all day go easy right um so the top end of every everybody's is is that is fat burning so uh, when you go out on a ride and you want to uh, practice not being uh carby too much um ride at a very casual pace where you feel like you could go all day that's the top of your um fat burning go as fast as you can in that pace but no faster, and that's the top end of your car burning zone, or of your fat burning zone. And if you don't like it, how slow it is, or how, uh, yeah, or how, yeah, basically how slow it is, <laughs> then um, if you wish you were faster at it, then you need to do it more so that you become more efficient at um, executing that, and um, you and get stronger at it, and uh, you get better. Yeah, just more efficient, get better at, at uh, playing those scales, and then you'll be able to do it faster and faster and faster um, while still being fat burning. How about that? All right, I got to go inside. Out, bang. All right, hold on. Got to get this thing out of the bag. This is cool. Hold on.
Sorry. Sorry about all that. Okay. Dude, I just finished an interval run on the... Um... <coughs> I got water in my throat. Um, water in my windpipe. Uh, and I'm going through the numbers, and I just realized something. Uh, okay. This is really cool. There's been a software update on the Sunto Ambit 2, and I was doing intervals, and... Um, of um, four eight-minute long intervals with about four or five minutes rest in between. And check this out. It gives me a summary of each thing, of each interval. Um, I averaged a nine-minute mile, 9.02, and I ran for an hour and one minute. <coughs> so this is so cool. I um, Next, my fastest mile was um, uh, 7.10. Let's go back. Okay. Uh, 390 feet of uh, whatever gain. Okay, here we go. Uh, it gives a summary of each lap and then the sub summary, which is so cool. Uh, 10 minutes and 40 second warm up, uh, just under a mile. Next. Then, oh, wait. Oh, lap one. Okay, lap two. Eight minutes, right? So an eight-minute long interval. And I ran one mile. Average 137 heart rate. So uh, average of 741. And let's see. Lap two. Lap three is I ran easy for um, five minutes. Okay, the next eight-minute interval... <coughs> I ran 1.1 miles instead of just one mile, which is a 7.17 pace. This is cool. Okay, and then uh, <coughs> four minutes and change rest. I had Kai run with me on the first first interval. We had family run night on Friday night. It's pretty cool. Dad core. Okay, um, Father's Day weekend. Uh, lap. Uh, third interval, eight minutes, 1.12 miles, basically the same. Who knows why? Could have been hilly or something. And then, uh, but my heart rate's getting higher, 145, average heart rate. Uh, average to 713 for that one. And then five minutes of going easy. And then an eight minutes at a 726, huh. Oh, that one was really hilly. I ran uphill most of that. I started off down low by a creek bottom. 1.09 miles. That's cool. I didn't know they added that. A little summary. Pretty neat. <coughs> I got stuff stuck in my throat. Um, so an interval run. This is my first interval run doing 4 by 8 minutes. I really like it. And I thought it would be kind of hard because too hard. Because it's running. No, man. 90% uh, effort. You know? Of your, uh, let's say of your max heart rate. That's like one, for me, my max heart rate's like 180. Let's say 182. Um, so that's like 160. It's not that bad. And I hit 160 a few times. And I went over it, I think, at one point. Going uphill. There's people down the street walking their giant uh, Great Pyrenees. 
It's huge. And um, so we all started off running together, and Kai, went, Kai and Emily were all running together. And I took a picture, a selfie of all of us, and then um, Kai's back from a road trip. <coughs> he hadn't worked out in about a week. <laughs> and he's like, Dad, I can beat you. And I go, let's see if you can keep up with me on one interval. And he's like, he can run, a, he ran a mile in seven minutes, right, uh, on track practice a few weeks ago, a few months ago. And uh, so I had full confidence he could keep up. Um, for one interval, and I say, if you beat me in one interval, or you keep up one interval, I'll give you a dollar. And then we rest. And then we're going to do another one. I say, each interval you can keep up with me, I'll give you a dollar. He's like, okay. <laughs> we weren't even halfway through the first interval, and he gave up. Hey, there's my cat's uh, twin brother. Hey, buddy, what's up? His name's Jedi. <clears throat> now he's running away. He's like, who's that huge guy? <coughs> But anyway, so I just circled back, uh, and, you know, he ran with Emily. And then, oh, um, as we got closer to the house, I happened to do an interval that ended right before I caught him. So I pretended like I, I had to quit. <laughs> oh, I couldn't catch you. And uh, he liked that a lot. He took off running all the way to the house, beat me. So <clears throat> I told Emily, you know, he's got to, people have to, um, you know, have control of their own conditions. And once I started beating him in an interval, um, it wasn't under his control anymore, and he wanted to quit. But then when he was in control of the run towards the end, and I was trying to catch him, and then he failed, or I failed, that was his control. So he, he kept pushing. You know, He didn't give up because he was in control of that situation. He, he created that situation. He happened to already be in front of me and happened to be running, and then I was uh, chasing after him. So that's a little human psychology right there. People feel out of control. They give up. Create your own conditions, and you'll be more motivated and more likely to finish. How about that? All right, I'm at the door. Let's see what happens. And hello, Lucy. I'm home. Ah. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm at the neighborhood pool swimming it's just a gate access pool it's the 25 meter one with no um lane lines it's just a blue it's, it's my little mini lake tahoe it's just blue no markings on the bottom whatsoever so you just swim until you hit a wall no lane ropes Ooh, it's kind of murky there's a dead bug floating in it that's pretty normal though i was a lifeguard for a few summers in houston you wouldn't believe what's in these uh, what's in these pools at night. Raccoons. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna swim, and I'm gonna do the uh, polarized thing. I swam twice hard this week already, and so uh, this swim's just gonna be easy. And what you do is swim um, in a way where you can tell that you're not going into the carb burning zone. So it's just a relaxed pace. And uh, you view it as kind of recovery. You can hear these birds. Recovery slash technique based swimming and the time 
actually works you out anyway, but without sending you into, um, into, uh, into, uh, burning tons of carbs. Anyway, I talked to Brian Brode last night. That was really cool. And after I swim, um, oh, Brian Brode, uh, had a PR on a marathon, the Boston Marathon, which is pretty cool. And then um, I'm going to try to get him on the show. And um, uh, when I come back, I'll try to talk about this bike tire that I've got. That's a mess. I'm going to risk my life out on, on it one more time, maybe, just to be exciting. <laughs> Although I shouldn't. I don't know what to do. Anyway, I'll be back. Bang. All right. <clears throat> kind of a crappy swim. <laughs> I didn't eat enough for breakfast. And uh, I'm honking at Emily's dad. Papa! Let me drive over there. I'm swimming at Emily's brother's pool. Yeah, I should have had some more breakfast. I got, I'm not shaky, but I'm just in a, in a grumpy mood. I uh, swam half an hour and I was done, which was the goal anyway. But I could have done better. And uh, let's see what's going on over here. Hold on. Hey, what's up? Have we been swimming? Yeah, John moves, man. I'm going to lose my pool. Do what? John moves. I'm going to lose my pool. No, I think this is a pool where he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, what's up? Not much. All right. That's Emily's dad. And we uh, we talked about hay and water, cows, Travis River. Travis River. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lake Travis <clears throat> is what he meant. Um, and then uh, food, breakfast. Anyway. Um. I love him. He's awesome. Emily's dad runs a, a ranch by himself with a uh, 50 to 100 head of cattle and like four or five horses. Um, anyway, didn't eat enough for breakfast and even just swimming easy was... Uh, well, the other thing is two cups of coffee and that gets my system agitated and it's there's not enough fuel to power that adrenaline off of that. So... There's a tip for you right there. And then, um, don't drink so much coffee. And what was I going to tell you about? Oh, this tire. So when I was in Spain at the uh, at John Hirsch's training camp, I, I had a tire that got so slashed up that um, <clears throat> that it uh, wouldn't hold a tube anymore. It was just too dangerous. So Todd, this guy that I made friends with, he's pretty cool, uh, gave me... Uh, a tire that to use for one ride that he was a little wary of um, but it would at least work and the sidewall got scraped up somehow and so it's a little threadbare on the sidewall on one part and he said he wasn't uh, wanting to ride it because it made him nervous but maybe it'll make it through a ride and I was like yeah because it's a 25 millimeter tire and I was like oh, I could put that on the rear that'd be kind of cool um, have specially staggered tires <laughs> like in Days of Thunder <laughs> And then, uh, um, 
uh, a 23 in the front, 25 in the rear, kind of like a drag racer. And uh, when my buddy borrowed my tire and he had a flat, I figured out uh, whenever you change a tube, try to figure out, spend a lot of time trying to figure out, um, or a lot of effort, trying to figure out uh, what made it go flat. And that'll prevent you from having more flats. And here's a good story from that, you know, because usually you can trace exactly where the flat happened on the tube. And then you can see, oh, there's a piece of glass in there. And you put another tube in there, it's going to be, you go three miles and you're going to have another flat. And again, and again, and again. And um, I've seen it happen on group rides. Um, then you're like, why didn't you check? Did you check to see what caused the flat? No. Well, <laughs> how do you know it's not going to do it again for what, whatever thing did it? Anyway, the, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so I traced the, uh, the flat back to the sidewall and I was like, ah, something, um, let the, uh, tube, uh, pop, uh, through that sidewall that's, um, threadbare. So I, I aired it up and then listened to it and see where the air was coming out. And, um, and so what I did was I took, I took the tube out. I put a piece of duct tape over that sidewall on the inside. Cause that'll give it some strength. It'll seal it up so that things won't poke through. It's not airtight, but it keeps things from poking through. And then, um, uh, because the flat was probably from it bubbling through just a tiny bit and getting the tiniest bit tear. And then I took the tube and flipped it around 180 degrees so that the old hole in the tube was now on a fresh piece of sidewall anyway that didn't have this problem. So I moved the hole and I sealed up the problem and, um, and the tire, the tube has sealant in it. <coughs> Sorry. And coughed right into the mic. Sorry about that. And so then I, um, it has Bontrager sealant in it. And so I kind of spun it around and let the sealant, um, get over that hole area. And I left it laying on the ground so that the sealant pooled over where the hole is. And, um, overnight it sealed it. It's holding air at 120 PSI this morning. Um, and well, I put it to 120 PSI last night. Who knows what it is this morning, but it's hard. And, but then inspecting the, uh, two, the tire, it's bulging just a little bit in two places. So I got on the internet. I, uh, specifically got Amazon prime a, f- uh, a couple days ago because you get free shipping with lots of stuff. And based on where I live, where I don't have access to lots of selection of things. So when I start ordering stuff, uh, online, I have to pay shipping a lot of time. The only place I can find stuff is online. Then I got to pay shipping. And, uh, so now with Amazon prime, I'm more inclined to buy the stuff I need because I don't have to pay because I get mad at the shipping costs. Well, with Amazon prime, I get uh, free shipping. And then, uh, so I ordered a new tire um, the fastest all around tire for cycling right now, uh, everybody's really, really happy with is, uh, continental grand prix 4,000 S and there's 4,000 S twos. And there's fourth grand prix 4,000 S, uh, with black chili compound. Anyway, they all, they all ride really fast and they have decent flat protection as far as strength and, um, there is a big difference in tires as far as how fast you go based on the tires and they do lots of testing and, uh, the Grand Prix 4000 S rates the fastest. So I ordered a 23. I'm going to go back to 23s and, 
Um, but the, the tire itself is bulging just a little bit where the threads are uh, weak and it's got me nervous, uh, to go on. I was going to go on one more ride on it and then I saw it bulging a little bit and I'm like, oh man, I don't want it to blow out while I'm riding, you know, catastrophically. And, uh, and, uh, you know, die, <laughs> be the worst case scenario. So stay tuned and you'll see what happens. I, I can either see I'm lazy and I want to leave it on there on the bike, but, uh, really what I should do. Yeah. Really what I should do is just cut bait is the, is the phrase and, uh, put my training wheels on until the new, uh, I've got it. <clears throat> put my yeah put my road bike wheels on it until they um until the tire shows up and then swap it out but anyway we gotta go to cracker barrel for breakfast it's father's day weekend out bang all right uh, maybe you can hear those cicadas i'm trail running one and a half hours done ran out and back for 45 minutes one direction on a trailhead and then out and back 45 minutes the other direction on a trailhead. It's getting dark. It's at night, Saturday night. The first 45 minutes to the left, Kai and Emily went with me. Kai rode his new mountain bike that y'all helped pay for. He's just on non-stop talking about how cool it is. And then he's seen enough triathlons where he goes, lead woman, lead male, <laughs> lead female, lead male. Like pretending we're winning a triathlon. And you have the one guy on the bike that's leading through. He's seen that at Ironman Texas and half Ironmans and stuff. It's pretty cool. And uh, nice family workout. And we brought two cars to the trailhead. And Emily and Kai took off after they were done. And then I went for another 45 minutes the other way, like I was saying. And uh, I'm parked illegally. So I hope nobody really messes with me. Getting the key out. And for fuel, I had an Amrita bar before I took off. And that was nice. And uh, ran on that for a while. And then had a water bottle made up with um, some maltodextrin and brown rice flour. Where you can buy the brown rice flour at a grocery store. And... Uh, what did I do after that? Just sip it on that and then rinse my mouth out with fresh water. Oh, I had some honey in it to, um, mm. there you go. Had some honey in it to, um, make it taste better. Make a little bit of sweet, get a little bit of fast acting in there with that brown rice. Let's close this door. I'm gonna drink some water. For a second, cool down before I get in the car. It is hot and humid. <coughs> Let's put the phone up here. Hope it doesn't slide away. There you go. The phone's sitting on top of Kai's bike seat on top of the bike rack, hanging off the back of the Xterra. Mm. nice bottle of water. I wish it was cold. Oh man, I have a Shiner beer waiting for me back at the house. There you go. I forgot about that. Oh.
We had Father's Day breakfast at Cracker Barrel. What a disaster that restaurant is, man. I mean, I grew up going to Cracker Barrel every once in a while because I grew up in the Deep South until I was nine. But my God, trying to find something that's healthy there. I mean, it is nothing but just horribly, horribly deep fried, greasy, greasy food. So finally I got scrambled eggs and I, oh, they were so greasy. And then the only green thing that I could find for breakfast on the breakfast menu was green chilies to add on there. So those were probably soaking in butter as far as I know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with all kinds of natural foods, but man, you got to limit some kind of crap, you know? So, but it was nice. A nice breakfast. And, um, and then around lunch, took a nap, and then I did coaching all afternoon. And, man, I can get a lot of coaching done if I lay, if I lay back and get relaxed and then have TV that I like to watch, like streaming video, off to the side. And I'll just sit there and crank out coaching. And, uh, polarized training is a really easy way to coach, man. I like it. It makes my life really easy. And I can, I was telling Morgan this, I can pay attention um, to what the athlete's doing a whole lot better. I was on slow twitch and some people were saying that like nobody uh, in America teaches polarized method. I teach it, coach it, whatever. <coughs> whole lot of easy. But man, your easy's got to be easy. I was cruising along on this run going super, super easy. And it's really, you can't go easy enough, man. And then when you do that for a few days, man, you can knock out a killer um, interval set. And then that interval set will make you stronger. And then you go right back. Go back to bed. Go back to easy. Uh, okay, I'm going to go get myself a beer. Let's turn that off. Turn this off. Leave y'all with some tree frogs. Cicadas. Sounds pretty. This is what Texas sounds like. Central Texas sounds like at night and in the summer. I hope y'all can hear this. This is beautiful. Humid. All right, out. Oh, I forgot to mention, I found a bird feather on the ground. A really nice, clean, pretty one. Looks like a crow. I'm going to give that to Kai when I get back to the house. He'll dig that. He likes that kind of stuff. All right, out. Bing. All right. Halfway through a three-hour bike ride. Hour and 36 in. And I'm in front of the Millican Post Office uh, in the shade trying to cool off so I can uh, stop sweating so much so I can put on sunscreen because it's getting to be... What time of day is it? It's 9.30. In the morning, and I got an hour and a half left, so I'm gonna start putting on sunscreen. And uh, you might be able to, I'm sure you can hear the breeze and the occasional car. This is one of those post offices where the front door is open and you can come in. And it's just a small building. I don't think there's anybody here, but a truck just pulled up. Guy got out, truck running, you know, keys in the ignition. <laughs> Went in and checked his post office box, I guess. He got back in his truck and drove off. <coughs> so, 
over here in old Milliken. They got some cows over here. I'm sure you can hear the breeze now. Uh, I'm looking at, at my left. I'm looking at about 20 head of cattle. There's a lot of babies in there. One of them just started bucking and running all over the place, having fun. And then to my right, on the other side of the road, is a uh, chain link fence. It's maybe uh, a quarter of an acre. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six goats in there. And then I heard a rooster just a minute ago, twice now. That's Milliken. <clears throat> There's a real small, modest house that's right next to the post office. I'm in their side yard, and they got a Texas flag flying out front. It's mostly cloudy, but some blue sky peeking through, which is good. A little bit of sun protection. And uh, yeah, it's Father's Day. Having a nice day. Kai's article ran in the paper. Oh, here comes the beagles. <laughs> this beagle chasing a baby bird. I think he's just going to wear that. Hey, come here, baby. What's up? Come here. What are you doing? You having a nice time? Playing in the grass? Sniff the microphone. Oh, my fuel is um, uh, brown rice flour for three hours. 150 calories of brown rice flour, 300 calories of maltodextrin, a teaspoon of matcha powder, which is green tea, makes the whole thing green, and three tablespoons of honey. Seems to be about right. Oh, and a, a few teaspoons of sea salt. I think that's it. I had an Amrita bar before I took off after breakfast, and then uh, I've got an Amrita bar in my uh, bento box in case I run low. If I eat up, eat up, eat up, eat up. And that's life. I'm cool enough now. Let's put on some sunscreen. Out, bang. All right, bike ride over, and I have a, some quick tips for you, or at least one tip. Um, it's hotter. And um, my body tried to play that stupid trick on me that it did at Ironman Texas where, um, I mean, it's really hot <laughs> right now uh, and humid. And so your, uh, your power starts to fade and you start to feel a little bit sick to your, well, your power starts to fade first. And it's because you're not digesting your food because you don't have enough water because you're sweating out all your hydration instead of holding on to it to use for digestion. So the water you would be uh, normally using to help digest your fuel to uh, power your workout is being diverted to keep you cool. And you start having... Um, I think with me, the first symptom is... Uh, is uh, under fueling. I got kind of grumpy for a little bit. I was like, man, I'd rather be at home and whatever. And uh, I don't want to be out here doing this. And I was like, well, that's not true. I really wanted to come out here in the countryside. So beautiful right now. I saw um, a parent skunk and then three little baby skunks all walking along the side of the road, which was pretty cool. And then I saw a coyote um, after my last recording. That was pretty neat. 
uh, run across the road and stand in the middle of the road and stare at me. <coughs> it was a big one, too. And um, then, uh, what was my point? Uh, I'm, I'm like, ah, you're, oh, I was, oh, I started feeling, um, I think I wasn't eating quite enough. And then, so I uh, fueled and then for a little while I, th- I was doing okay. And then I started feeling sick to my stomach a little while later. And I was like, um, wow, you're, um you're probably uh, not drinking enough water. Drink more water, right? Don't. Because you start feeling sick to your stomach, well, then you can't digest and you start feeling weak. And then so sometimes we incorrectly start fueling more because you're feeling weak. That That's the downward spiral right there. That's what messes you up. Don't do that. Um, now you have even more fuel in your stomach with even less water, and then you get really, really sick. So I said no. Um Water, just water for a while. And I drank water for a while and then uh, eventually started to feel a whole lot better. And then um, finished out the ride with uh, with uh, having calculated exactly the right amount of fuel. So I think I'm on to something with, um, with, for me, something that really works. Oh, that reminds me. I need to get the Amrita bar out of my uh, bento box. And... Um, and it was cool having um, some extra calories where if I felt like, you know, I needed them, I could have them. And then uh got back to the house and had a Shiner Bach beer, which is this uh, famous beer here in Texas, maybe more around the United States too. And then um, a sandwich with Emily with Sri Racha sauce and Kai on it. Posted my workout. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Uh, numbers were just a... A hair, a hair, a hair bit slower than um, usual, but because I was um, not trying anywhere near as hard as I usually do, and it's really cool. There's a um, you don't you have a choice when you bike about how you want to work your legs. You can work them very lightly and work your aerobic system, or you can um, slow down the cadence a little bit and uh work the muscles in your legs and uh give your give your aerobic system a break you know so on today's ride um to keep from getting overtrained and just to have a relaxing ride I slowed down down the cadence a little just just a tad bit and then um anytime where I could think about it and I could choose I would pick just a slightly bit lower cadence. And then I could tell uh, towards the end of the ride, what that does, a lower cadence, it's like lifting a heavier weight. Um, uh, and it fatigues your muscles, but it doesn't fatigue your aerobic system. So it's actually like um, lift, lifting a heavier weight a little bit slower. And it's nice, man. It felt like just really nice on the legs. And I wasn't driving my heart rate up or anything weird like that. And I was actually really, really enjoying it, having a nice ride. And um, when I finished, my legs felt like they'd gotten a workout, but my aerobic system wasn't all, you know, thrashed. And um, anyway, three hours and so many minutes. 
at uh, for 60 something miles ended up being almost just barely under 20 miles per hour which is pretty cool on the tri bike and i rode my um my uh road bike wheels on my tri bike um so i didn't have to uh worry about the rear tire blowing out the the rear tire that has the potential flat on it uh, the impending flat uh and blowout from the tire coming apart um, on that's on my race wheels right now. So I switched them out and went and rode that. And I think that's it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the uh, Father's Day. I think we're going to go to Academy. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap for a little bit. And uh, um, I'm taking a caffeine nap. That's where you uh, drink a cup of coffee or something like that and then take a nap. And by the time you wake up, uh, caffeine's kicked in and you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about it on the internet. I love it. And uh, we're going to go to Academy, and uh, Kai wants to spend time with me. We're going to uh, go there and just look at cool stuff. And um, I think that's it. All right, out, bang. All right, this will wrap up the show. I'm here with superstar Kai. Are you the kid that was in the paper? Yep. <laughs> what are you eating there? Ice cream. Why are you eating ice cream? Because I just did a bike ride. Oh, this is your recovery fuel? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you and I went, I went running and you went biking on your mountain bike? Yes. How was it? Really fun. Yeah? Yeah. You blinked a lot, like, like your brain was out to explode. It was so cool. <gasps> People can't hear you when you do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Blink, blink. <gasps> yeah? And we went uh, to the pool? Mm-hmm. Through the ball around? Yep. 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 All right, so it's been an awesome Father's Day. Thanks for the card, handmade card. That was really nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, am I doing a good job? Yep. <laughs> Are you distracted because you're watching American Dad? Yep. Yeah. So, Emily, Emily Kai's distracted with the ice cream and the American dad. Can you say something about the card that he made me? Yeah, uh, before he left on his trip with my dad, he said, Mommy, come here. And he called me in his room and he showed me that card. He made it all by himself. I didn't even know he was making it. Yeah. And it was really sweet. It just talks about how awesome you are and that you've done like 17 Ironman. You said I've done 13 triathlons. Or whatever. And then... Uh, oh, 17 triathlons. Anyway, and that he plans to follow in your footsteps because you're so awesome, and yeah. he loves you. That was the you. coolest thing. Yeah. yeah. And he made it all by himself. He did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I inspire you. Yeah, that's what it said. It said that. Well, it was where, really, it? it's right there. where is it? It's right there on the bottom. Oh, oh, there it is. Here it says, to dad from Kai, I love you so much. And then... Yeah, Kona's hot. It's okay. Thank you for teaching me things I didn't know. To dad. Oh, wait. And then it says, I'm getting sweat on it. i it all over it. It says, man, my dad is awesome. He's done at least 17 triathlons. The one that I think is the hardest is the Ironman Texas. Is Ironman Texas. I hope he will. This is written in pencil on a red cardboard paper. He will make it. To Kona, and if he doesn't, I'll still be pretty impressed. I'll follow him in his footsteps in big letters forever and hope to do an Ironman like him one day. Hey, that's really sweet. You don't have to do an Ironman for me to love you. I know, 
you know, right? These are just fun. I just like it. I just like to see you exercise and do your homework, right? Okay, so that's an episode. Oh, man, it's hot. Sunday evening, it's 8.30 at night. Sun's going down. Just ran an hour. So four hours for the day. It's just about the sweet spot for a big day. I was talking to uh, John Newman, and he was wanting more hours on a regular basis. And I was like, oh, man, we start going over four hours in, this, in the heat. and Well, just four hours, period, day after day uh, on weekends and stuff. It starts to actually dig a hole more than improve you. So you got to get in um, quality and start looking at quality once you start going bigger like that. Get in some intervals and stuff. And that takes more recovery anyway. So it gets complicated. It's tough stuff. So I'm not really training for anything. I'm just having fun. So, All right. That's it. Uh, more interviews coming up. And everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Cruise the downhills. And keep the rubber side down. Out. Out.